in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin, guys. Welcome on in. It is a beautiful Tuesday evening. Mitch, we are live on the YouTube, on X, formerly Twitter, for episode 185 of the sports hour so good to be here with you if you uh, are tuning in live tonight with us we appreciate you uh stopping by let us know in the comments let you're listening uh we want to hear from you tonight as we have uh many things to discuss if you are listening on your podcast feed uh thanks for throwing us on good to be here uh jam-packed episode tonight mitch with uh, the conclusion of the regular season for college football the Playoff committee announced the four teams that will participate in the college football playoff. We have bowl, uh, bowl season. Uh, the the settings have been, uh, the matchups have been set. Uh, where we'll get into some of those and uh, more NFL with uh, another good week of the NFL season. I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. I'm excited. We got a ton to talk about, man. It's there's so much good stuff down the pipe. I know we got a little bit of news, talk about NBA in season tournament stuff. Um, all the football, football, football that you just mentioned. Um, but yeah, I I'm just in a good spot right now, Dallin. I'm in a good spot because I'll tell you what. I'm a spoken for man now. I'm oh, engaged. Yeah. There we How go. It? Yeah. Congratulations. Gonna... So yeah, we're uh we're me and the me and the girlfriend of so now I, she's not even my girlfriend anymore my fiance Ooh. are taking the next step together the big leap so uh so it's been a very exciting week for us uh over here and uh in our household and so uh lots of exciting stuff happening for us but uh of course Dallin, as always I, I love to get on here with you and just talk sports it's it's a fun time uh for us to get together and uh it's been a really uh really exciting uh time over here in uh the mitchmo household if you will absolutely you know we are the sports hour guys but we have our sports hour gals if That's you may right. call them you know <laughs> the ones that put up with us yeah <laughs> the ones that hear us scream every week into our microphones uh yeah no that's uh we're so excited for you mitch uh kenzie's great uh you guys make a great pair excited to, to be hey listen I, I i love weddings it's been a minute since i've been to a wedding so you know it'll be a good time i'm ready yeah well, you, you you know you'll be at one of the bigger parts of that yeah. so you know well, yeah yeah we'll, we'll have some good times but uh yeah i love that i'm glad you i'm glad you mentioned that because we're obviously that's that's big news big news for you we're, we're super excited so yeah yeah exactly i mean yeah it's it's big news over here in the 
the Dodd Jones household. So love fun. it. So love it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But hey, we got some sports to talk about. Enough about me and my, that old sappy stuff. We got to get into some sports now, and let's get into the NBA. Um, let's get into a little bit of news here. Yep. Um, really, our only little bit of news, but um, pretty significant stuff because it is NBA in-season tournament season, uh, the first iteration of the in-season tournament, um, and it has delivered. It has delivered the excitement, kind of the uh, allure that we hope it would uh, to keeping people interested in basketball mid-season. Um, and we got some underdogs that are advancing into the semifinals. Uh, the Pacers getting it done over the Celtics, 122-112 over the Celtics. The Pelicans getting it done at a similar margin over the Kings, 127-117. to um, Pacers-Pelicans. Moving on to the semifinals right now, we're waiting on the other Eastern Conference, Western Conference games. Um, Suns Lakers play later tonight. Right now, the Knicks and Bucks are playing at Bucks right now, up in the third quarter with 727 left, 91-78. Dallin, as our resident NBA guy, I really just want your reaction to um how you felt that this end season tournament has gone. Um, has it provided the excitement, the entertainment that you've wanted it to? Um, and is it, you know, are, do we feel like it's providing the type of entertainment, not just to the fans, um, but sort of the push, the, the momentum that we thought it might add to certain teams, um, going forward, uh, throughout the rest of the year. What, what are your certain take, what are your uh, initial takeaways so far through the first round? Yeah, I mean, I think the in-season tournament is working. And if uh, if you want to know if it's working, just ask Indiana Pacers fans, right? I mean, this right. is a season that for the Indiana Pacers, did you have many expectations coming into the season? You know, probably not. You got a young team. You're hoping to, you know, build something this season. Uh, well, you catch some fire. You do well in your play-in games. You find yourself in this in-season tournament bracket as one of those four Eastern Conference teams. And that was an electric game last night against the Celtics. A special shout out to Tyrese Halliburton uh, with the triple double in prime time and putting his name on the map. And that's exactly what I wanted to see out of this tournament. Right. Again, we talked about this. We knew some of those top teams, Celtics, Lakers, Suns, like they would be there. But what about the other teams? What about like some of those mid to low tier NBA teams that are going to catch fire and be extra motivated, not only to earn that extra paycheck. I mean, look at the Indiana Pacers bench. I mean, there's guys on there not making much money. That extra half a million dollar bonus is, you know, that's pretty big. So, you know, motivation there monetarily for some of those players. And then on top of that, guys that want to make a name for themselves, want to, want to prove that they belong, prove they're some of the best. Tyrese Halliburton is a great example of that. And he absolutely goes off in that game. The atmosphere was electric in Indiana. You felt uh, not only the team, but the crowd wanted that. And it wasn't playoff basketball, but it evoked playoff atmosphere. It evoked the intensity of the playoffs. It evoked that winner go home, you know, atmosphere that we love. And it's, early December and the NBA's never done that in early December. It's, it can't, it can't exist in the regular season. You got guys taking days off and resting, uh, you know, on road trips and, and, you know, it just doesn't usually matter. So I think this is a huge win. Both those games last night, uh, including the Pelicans Kings game was a great one. Pelicans, another team like that, you know, working towards something, trying to prove something. I think it's absolutely fantastic. New Orleans, 
Indiana. They've locked themselves into to Vegas. They will go to Vegas. Uh, December 7th is the next round of games. Obviously, they await uh, their matchups here that will happen tonight. But I, I think it's a great success so far, and I'm excited to see if those two teams can continue a run and, and maybe try to win the damn thing. Yeah, it's it's pro- certainly provided a lot, a lot of excitement down. But I do really want to ask you, um, because we've seen over the last couple of years, um, kind of this new wave of young talent coming in. The the Victor Weminyamas, the Tyrese Halliburtons, the Paolo Boncaros, these guys that are coming in. Um, do you think that this is the beginning of a new era for the NBA um, as far as like young talent goes and maybe the, maybe a change in the game uh, as far as maybe approach to the game goes. And I guess essentially what I'm asking is, um, is Tyrese Halliburton the best point guard in the NBA right now? Well, I mean, there's a lot of really good point guards out there, but stats would point to yes. He's been on one, even back to last year. And uh, you know, you just look back on that, Indiana Sacramento trade the Sabonis for Halliburton trade is there a better NBA trade out there for both teams like how many times do we see both teams benefit from a trade and there's something we talked about when that happened on this podcast and Sabonis goes to Sacramento they end up as the three seed last year they make the playoffs they break that drought I mean that's a win that's what Sacramento wanted to do get a guy that can help them you know get over that hump and get there they got that and Indiana got a superstar and Tyrese Halliburton out of it. I, I you know, I think, uh, I, I mean, there's just so much talent in the league. It's also why this in-season tournament is great. We get to highlight some of these players. Indiana hasn't been on a prime. I don't think Tyrese Halliburton's played in a primetime game before last night. So he hasn't had an opportunity in front of a national audience to say, Hey, I'm over here and I'm really freaking good, right? I mean, we know Steph, we know Giannis, we know LeBron, we know uh, Jokic, we know these guys, but there's so much talent in this league. It's a deep league. It's why they should expand to 32 teams because there's more than enough talent to go around. And yeah, I think this is a great example of that and what we saw with Tyrese Halliburton last night. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. This is a great growth a great growth move for the NBA as far as getting a fan base, um, keeping people interested uh, in midseason basketball. This is absolutely a fantastic move for them um, and entertaining, entertaining. Like you said, playoff atmosphere esque. Um, this is, this is something that's going to keep NBA fans uh, interested throughout the course of the year. That's yeah, for and, sure. And if you're an NBA fan, if you have been watching or maybe you haven't, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, are you interested at all in the in-season tournament? Has it piqued your interest at this time of, of the calendar more than maybe years past? If you just not care at all, not followed along, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, because I am curious on the general population of NBA fans if if this has helped uh, with, with the interest in the NBA at this time of the calendar. Absolutely absolutely let us know let us know get us on here get us on in on instagram wherever you can reach us we'd love to hear your input for that dallin moving on from the nba it's time for a little nfl recap week 13 the season is we're there we're we're, we're at the, we're at the tail end already and it, yeah. it hurts me so bad because you wait so long for football to get here and then it's come and gone before you even know it um but we're at week 13, Dallin, and we're going to get into our 
NFL recap, superlative style, just like the way we like to do it. Um, and we're going to start with our most impressive team. And Dallin, I'm going to let you take the reins on this one uh, to, to kick us off with our most impressive team of the week. Okay, yeah. You know, I debated a couple teams here. I'm going to go with the Sunday night winner, and that is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, honestly, a couple impressive weeks for the Green Bay Packers, right? Knocked off Detroit on Thanksgiving in Detroit in what was a really uh, impressive performance by Jordan Love in that offense. And then Sunday night hosting Patrick Mahomes, the defending champion Chiefs and Packers get it done 27 to 19. Jordan Love 25 for 36, 267 through the air in three touchdowns. Uh, he's really come into his own over the last couple of weeks, which is uh, fun to see. You saw it in the beginning of the season, those flashes. He looked uh, he looked really good those first couple games, and then it kind of hit a lull. The Packers hit a lull and seemed like, okay, maybe they've come back down to earth. Maybe this is where more or less where they'll be, but uh, they've really turned it on and proved a 6-6, six and six, put themselves squarely in the playoff race uh, in the NFC, and you know, Chiefs are no joke. Chiefs Chiefs are a really good team. And uh, to hold that offense to under 20 points, three sacks on the day uh, for the defense, they had an interception. Uh, and then again, the the effectiveness, the efficiency on offense, I think has been uh, particularly impressive to me. No Aaron Jones. He's been out for a couple of weeks with injury uh, and it hasn't really slowed down this offense at all. I'm, I'm there. I'm liking what I'm seeing from the Packers and I Right now, I feel like I'd pencil them in for a playoff spot. They seem destined to snag one of those wild card spots. Yeah, I don't like you saying that at all, one bit. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but, but objectively speaking, though, yes, the Packers have been impressive um, with the lack of with the with kind of what seems like a lack of talent on the offensive side of the football. Um, without Aaron Rodgers, there, the guy that makes any sort of offense astronomically better. Um, they have done very, very well. Uh, Jordan love was impressive last night. Uh, you mentioned the numbers, you mentioned the loss of Aaron Jones and um, you know how that's maybe affected the offense, but AJ Dillon has filled in exceptionally well. Quadzilla is what I would like to call this guy because he is a grinder in the backfield, but last night he was 18 for 73, 4.1 a carry um, didn't have the touchdown, but this is a guy that can grind out yards for you. Um, if, if there's anything out of this game though, I'm worried about the chiefs. Mm. I'm worried about the chiefs. Um, that this seems to be a, a team that's so well run and so well led. They lose a little bit of talent and now it seems to kind of fall off the rails a little bit. And they're not, they're not the team that we think that they're going to be. You can almost pencil the chiefs in. At the beginning, you know, over the last five, six, seven, eight years, you can pencil the Chiefs in as a, you know, a perennial playoff team. They're they're not, they're they're still that, but you're you're kind of worrying about them being in an AFC championship set, you know, conversation. Um, this is more indicative to me as you know of I'm a little bit more worried about the Chiefs than I am you know impressed with the Packers. Yeah. Fair enough. Who uh, um, who did impress you this week? I the the San Francisco 49ers did yeah. impress me. I mean, the 49ers were impressive. Uh getting the big win over the Eagles, uh 42 to 19. Uh Debo Samuel just said, you know, said last year if Brock was in, we'd be winning this game. They got, you know, blown out in that NFC Championship game. Fast forward to now. 
Brock Purdy's in the game, and it's a completely different story. 42-19 over the Eagles. Um, impressive, impressive stuff from the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Brock Purdy, 29, or sorry, 19 for 27, 314 and 4. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 17 for 93 and a touchdown. Um, Debo Samuel gets one in on the ground as well as also accounting for three receiving touchdowns or two receiving touchdowns. Just to, the San Francisco 49ers team is the best team in football. Um, and I think when you match them up against the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that was in that same conversation of, are they the best team in football right now? Pairing those two together. Um, it made it pretty clear and definitive to me who the best team in football is, who you should be most afraid of to see um, when come playoff time. And that's the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. San Francisco is just a well-oiled machine. And when it's running at full capacity, it is unstoppable. Uh, It really is when, when they are health, when they have their dogs, when they have all their offensive pieces for Brock Purdy to distribute the ball to, it seems like easy work for them. It's it's like really incredible. Oh, yeah. Um, the problem that we've seen at times this year and for them moving forward, it's what happened to them in the playoffs last year, is what happens when you don't have all those pieces? What happens if you can't stay 100% healthy? Uh, you know, what does that look like? Uh, but this was certainly a statement game i mean they were favored on the road right we talked about that in our picks last week like wow san francisco's favored in philly by like it wasn't by like a point or two i think it was like five or six points uh i mean (laughs) vegas was right on that one vegas is usually right uh when it comes to those lines and uh and they nailed it on this one and this is fitting mitch because uh my most disappointing team this week was the philadelphia eagles uh Mm. coming out of this loss but i will say this is exactly what the Eagles needed to happen. In my opinion, they needed a game like this against a really good team. They'd only lost one game. They only got, they only lost one game this year in a fluky game to the jets. That was the only loss on the season. And they played some really good teams and they had gotten it done. They had in miraculous fashion, in dominant fashion, they had just gotten wins. And then it all came to a halt on Sunday against the Niners at the link and they got their asses handed to them. And it's exactly what this Eagles team needed. And it's exactly the motivation they're going to need throughout the rest of the season and all through the playoffs until these two teams meet in the NFC championship game and they get their chance at revenge. So I love that for Philly and I love that for San Francisco because it sets up hopefully a really good matchup in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean this Eagles team, listen, I think the defense uh, has definitely taken a step back from what we saw last year. And it's not that the talent still isn't there, but defense is one of those uh, things. One of those stats that isn't uh, you can't carry over season by season. It just doesn't happen. Uh, It's more of a fluky stat. You can consistently score points. We see that over time offense can carry over season after season after season. The defense, it just doesn't really work like that. Uh, You know, you have a really high, high and it's usually going to take a step back and, It seems like this year, I mean, and not just in this loss, you can look at the box scores, the way that Philly has won. The defense has taken a step back from that dominant, dominant defense we saw that took them to the Super Bowl last year. So how do they balance that out? 
Jalen Hurts and the offense need to step up in a bigger way, need to be able to put points on the board more consistently, run the ball more consistently. And if they do that, I think they're going to be okay. I'm not too worried about Philly. I think these are the best two teams in the league. I do believe we're going to see them against each other in the NFC Championship. And then in that game, it's it's anyone's game. Uh, you know, at that point, Philly still has the best record in the NFL. If they can maintain that, they'll get that home field advantage, which would be huge. But uh, I again, I do think this was a, a perfect thing for Philly to get their ass kicked. Now, five games left in the season. You got Dallas this week, but then it gets really easy for the Eagles after that. So then you can kind of just, all right, let's hunker down. Let's get her done. Get to the playoffs, get our mojo right. And then look forward to hopefully this rematch at some point. Yeah. I think getting your ass kicked is perfect for any great team, mm -hmm. any great team. It, it, I want to bring up the 85 beers in this one because they got their ass kicked in 85 on Monday night by the Miami dolphins, Dan Marino and the dolphins with the Clayton brothers, um, with the Mark, with the Marks brothers, excuse me, Mark Clayton and Mark Duper absolutely torched them on Monday night. I think they were they came into that game like 10 and 0, 11 and 0. They wound up leaving, you know, getting the loss. Um, but that's exactly what that team needed because it's a wake up call. It's a wake up call to go, hey, we can get beat on any night. And as good as we are, we still have to keep ourselves focused. Um, I think this is the best thing that could have happened to Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia fans would have loved to see a W last week, but <laughs> um, best thing that could have happened to, to them was to get their ass kicked by a really good team just to kind of refocus themselves. Um, but uh, when it comes to disappointing teams, Dallin, I'm just going to, I'm honestly, I'm going to take the low hanging fruit, the new England Patriots. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is bad. This yeah. is bad news over in new England. Um, and Bill Belichick, I think if there was any thought to whether or not he was going to continue to be that coach next year or beyond, it's gone now. If I'm Bill, I'm leaving. I'm leaving at the end of the year. You don't leave now. You're right out the rest of the year, right? Keep some dignity. Keep some honor to your name right out the rest of the year. But don't don't ditch early. Don't ditch early, but things are bad in New England. This is really, really bad. I mean, this we we talked about garbage game of the week being the Carolina game, and God, this was that was miles better than what <laughs> this game was. I mean, yeah, that was, was at least an game. interesting game. Uh, yeah, this one, this one, not at all. It, uh, somehow, this New England team beat the Bills earlier this year. How the hell? <laughs> I how the hell did that happen? And you're looking at three straight weeks, Mitch, where. The Patriots defense has held their opponent to 10 points or less, and they have not got a win. This offense has scored 13 points over the last three weeks and has Bad. gotten 0-3. They're on a five-game losing streak. Bench Mac Jones for Bailey Zappi, and it hasn't looked much better. And uh, yeah, it's it's down bad time for the Patriots. We we were waiting for it to happen, right? Post Brady. Uh they had the first pros Brady year. Mac Jones is a rookie and things looked great. And we, it was like, oh shit, are they just going to like roll right back into another, you know, competitive era for the Patriots? But we've seen it slowly since then. It's kind of falter and falter in this. I mean, if this ain't rock bottom, God, I pray for Patriots fans to see what rock bottom may look like. Uh, this is bad. But the oh, good yeah. for Patriots fans is 
you're going to end up with the top pick next year. You can go draft that quarterback. That's not Mac Jones, a quarterback of the future. And then hopefully reset that thing with a new head coach. You got to nail that higher. You know, all that is very important. You've had Bill Belichick there for so many years that that transition is going to be a very uh, interesting one and a very important one. But yeah, I, I, the Patriots make me feel better about being a Panthers fan. And that's saying, <laughs> cause we're way down. They make me better about feeling. They make me feel better about being a bears fan too, yeah. man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at least we have someone else to look at and say, Hey, they suck too. It may be worse. <laughs> you guys suck worse than we do. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Dallin overreaction of the week. Um, yeah. I'm going to let, let you kick it off. Uh, okay. Was, oh. oh yeah. Go ahead. You go first on this one. Oh, okay. All right. You, you kind of had a tie into what we were talking about a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And I, and I think the chiefs, I still think they're a great team and they're so well run. Andy reads one. A, Andy Reed would be a top seven coach of all time in the NFL for me. Um, just, with the excellence that he has run every organization that he has come into. Um, but my hot, my overreaction this week is that the chiefs will make the playoffs. They will make the playoffs. You can't not have them make the playoffs, but they will be bounced in the first round. Okay. And it's because they're not tough enough. Mm. They get the snot beat out of them and they go up in the corner and they curl up and they cry. I don't think this team is built for a long run anymore. And you you look at the, you look at the teams that they're losing to, you look at the teams that are tougher teams that are playing them really close and they're just not squaring up to that big top opponent anymore like they used to. So I think the I think the Chiefs, man, they'll make the playoffs, but if it's a first round bounce, I'm not going to be surprised one single bit. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's a huge overreaction. I'll say maybe a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, their four losses on the season have come to uh, Packers last week on the road uh, against the Eagles uh, in that game a couple weeks ago. They lost at Denver. That was definitely their worst loss, 24-9. to And then they lost the opening game of the season, 21-20, to the Detroit Lions, or a nine-win team. I, I don't – that's three losses by one score. Uh, and I, I don't, and those are all pretty good teams all over 500 or better all could be maybe playoff teams. We'll see how Denver and green Bay handle it. Uh, so I, I think, but it's just not what we're used to seeing. And so I understand the being more down on Kansas city. The defense has looked better this year. The offense is a giant question mark, but when it comes to playoff time, I just feel like Mahomes is one of those guys that just finds a way to get it done, right? Like no matter what it looks like around him, no matter how ugly it may have looked like during the se the regular season, you get Mahomes in a playoff setting and he's just the kind of guy that just finds a way to get wins. So I'll say maybe a bit of overreaction depending on the matchup they get in the first round. I don't think it's out of the question. I wouldn't, I'm not like, I don't think we need to pencil them in AFC championship. I definitely think there's uh, teams like Baltimore, and Miami that deserve a lot of respect in the AFC and should be favorites over Kansas city at this moment. Uh, I mean, but, let's I, get say, let's, but I get what you're saying. I get what so, you're, I, I get where you're, where you're at right now. Yeah. I mean, let, let's say they match up against Jacksonville in the first round. Well, they wouldn't Jacksonville would get, uh, would win their division. So Kansas city would end up with a wild card team. Well, 
So you're looking at, you okay, know, and right I now mean, the wild card teams in the A in the Denver. AFC, I mean, let's say Denver. Denver, Indianapolis, Cleveland. I think those are the three. Oh, uh, no. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Indianapolis. Those are the three well, wild card ja- teams right now. And Jacksonville's not even a lock because if if Houston wins that division. Sure. Houston and Indy are only game back. So I guess that's true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I just I, mean, I feel like. Again, I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think they're a lock in the ways that we are used to Kansas City being a lock. Like you said, we used to be able to just pencil them in, right? Like they're going to get to the AFC Championship game and probably the Super Bowl. I think so far this season, you're right. I don't think that that's the case and certainly not a lock to get out of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I like it. My overreaction, Mitch, uh, Chiefs adjacent, former Chief. (laughs) <laughs> Tyreek Hill, uh, he should be the MVP favorite right now. Uh, I'm not convinced that any quarterback has done enough this season that that's far and away doing enough to be the MVP right now. And Tyreek Hill is at an historic pace on the season. 93 receptions, 1,481 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns. That 1,481 receiving yards with five games remaining. He's only 485 yards away from breaking Calvin Johnson's single season receiving uh, record, which sits at 1,964 yards. So if he gets less than 100 yards a game over the last five games of the season, he will break that record. Now, he gets an extra game because the NFL's added an extra game, and that certainly helps. But he's at a historic pace right now on this season, Tyree Kill is. And again, I don't think there's a quarterback out there that's so obvious that they should win it at this moment. I I mean, I think you could mention four or five quarterbacks that could be in the mix, could be a favorite for the MVP right now, but I don't think anyone's running away with it at this moment. So I'm looking around at Terry Kill about to set records in the NFL and say, why not him? Why? Like if he hits 2000 yards on this season, I'm he's getting my MVP vote. So that's where I'm at. You cannot turn a blind eye to record setting of performances. You just can't. Um, we've talked about the MVP being a, a quarterback's award over the last, you know, five years, however long we've done this podcast. And it's a quarterback's award. It's a quarterback's award. Damn Tyreek. I think even you take that extra game away from him. And he still might get give give that record a run. Four eighty five I mean, in four games. He could def- he's on, he could definitely do that. I mean, that that's nuts. It's yeah. it's nuts what this guy is doing. Um, yeah, it he sh- I not an overreaction at all. And I and I I think it's completely justified to put him as the favorite. Um, and I think if there's quarterbacks, uh, when we start to look at like betting odds as as far as uh MVP voting goes betting odds that are above Tyreek Hill, I think that's blasphemous. I mean, it's just, mm. it's out of control. Um, the bias that goes to the quarterback, if that's the, if that's the scenario, because Tyreek Hill has by, by far and away been the best player in the NFL by far this year, not even a conversation. Yeah. Um, not Love an overreaction it. at all. Love not no. an overreaction at all. <laughs> and Dallin, I'm going to stick with this because my MVP of the week last week was Tyreek Hill. Yeah, um, an outstanding and dominating performance uh, last week against the Commanders. Now, granted, they are playing the Commanders, but um, this was a, a fantastic performance again by him. Five receptions for one fifty-seven and two touchdowns. Um, 
just continuing to be the big play guy that he always has been. He doesn't have to blow you away with the reception numbers, but he'll burn you every single time he gets into open space. Um, he is my MVP of the week, Tyreek Hill. I love it. Uh, Tyreek putting up uh, like Randy Moss numbers. Uh, he's, yeah. He's that, that graphic where he had three touchdowns, three catches for like 130 yards and three touchdowns. It was three <laughs> for 163 and three yes, yeah. on was, Thanksgiving. Yes. So, I was yeah. seeing, I was seeing Tyreek on Sunday and I'm like, damn, those are some Randy Moss numbers there. You love to see it. Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely shredded the Manders. So yeah. obviously I love that pick for you. Uh, my MVP this week. Go into a backup quarterback who yeah. balled out and gr- gr- gutted his team to a win on Monday night football. The Husky legend Washington's in the playoff in the college football world. And Jake Browning helping the Cincinnati Bengals to a win on Monday night football, 34, 31 in overtime. And man, he was, he was dealing. He was Dyson 32 for 37, only five incompletions in the game, 354 yards and a touchdown. And again, more importantly, leading this Cincinnati Bengals team to a win when just a few weeks ago on Monday night football, when Joe, I think it was Monday night, or maybe it was a Thursday night game when Joe Burrow went down. It, it was like, oh man, season's over, right? Count them out. Cincinnati's six and six. They're in that mix. They're in the hunt for a wild card spot still. And if Browning is playing, I mean, maybe not at this level, but if he could be efficient enough, I mean, he's got the weapons to throw to on that team. Uh, he's they, They've got a solid enough defense. Um, yeah, Jake Browning, extremely impressive. I thought he deserved the shout out this week. Exceptional efficiency by Jake Browning. I mean, exceptional. Uh, yeah. Just a fantastic job. Um I think I was talking with you. Was it last night? I said, I thought Jake Browning graduated from Washington, like in 2014. I didn't even realize he had only been in the league. I I feel like he's been in the league so much longer, but he hasn't. Um, Great, great performance from Jake Browning. Um, And it gives Bengals Bengals fans some hope. Like, Hey, we we're still in this thing. We're not dead yet. Don't put the dirt on top of us yet. We're still here. (laughs) We're still here. Jake Browning is going to keep that Bengals uh, Bengals playoffs up alive. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, down the big L, the big L, the the award no one wants to win. Yeah. But we give it out every week. Um, I'm going to go with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, the mm. offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, former yeah. former Alabama Crimson Tide offensive coordinator, and I love to see Bill O'Brien fail. I'm sorry. <laughs> There is just like you just I said former at Crimson Tide, and then you said I like to see him fail. I'm sure because when our offense was at our worst, which was last year, Bill O'Brien was what the offensive coordinator mm. of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mm. So I I really don't care for Bill O'Brien. I think he's I think he lucked his way into all those playoff appearances with the Houston Texans all those years ago. I don't agree with his philosophy i think he's doing a terrible job in new england and i am i am more than happy to give him the big l here because quite honestly fuck you bill (laughs) o'brien sorry (laughs) listen when you score 13 points in three weeks including getting shut out at home for the second time this season 
I mean, that's a big L to me. Uh, uh, he seems like a, you, you'd call him a Nepo baby, right? That's like the phrase. He's not a Nepo baby, but somehow it's like, he must have dirt on all these people. How does he keep getting prominent jobs? It's amazing. It's, 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 it's mind boggling how he keeps getting these jobs. It's, it's, yeah. it's mind boggling. It really is. It really is. It's a great pick, Mitch. My big L this week is going, uh, to the New York Jets and their quarterback room uh, drama. Yeah, we know a couple weeks ago they moved on from Zach Wilson. They bench him to third string and they give it over to Tim Boyle, uh, who doesn't help at all because it's not a quarterback issue. It's a team issue. It's an offense issue. It's an everything issue with the New York Jets, clearly. Uh, now this week, reports come out yesterday that the team is leaning towards returning to Wilson as the starter, but that reportedly he was reluctant to step back in. I'd be reluctant to step behind that offensive line too, after having played behind them this season and watched what they've continued to do. I would be thinking about my future and my health and saying, yeah, I, I don't really know if I want to go back out there in this fire, especially after you guys threw me under the bus for the season. Now they've released Tim Boyle. They signed Brett Rippon off of the Seahawks practice squad. You've got Trevor Simeon. You've got Brett Rippon. You've got Zach Wilson. Aaron Rodgers is not coming back to play. There's no way in hell he was ever going to come back to play behind that shitty offensive line with his uh, injury that he's had this season. And it, this is an absolute mess. I've never seen anything like this, Mitch, in a quarterback room. I've never seen anything like this. It, it is absolutely insane what is happening in New York this season with these quarterbacks. I mean, if you play quarterback for the New York Jets, it's it's almost like, hey, um, could you possibly like throw a football for us this week? But also like just a heads up little part of the deal here. You're going to get the shit knocked out of you <laughs> while you do it. Yeah. I mean, like what are we doing in New York? I mean, they spent a, they spent a shit ton of, of draft capital on and trades and, and free agency money on getting a good offensive line. It was supposed to be Mikai Becton, Lake and Tomlinson, Joe Tipman, Xavier Newman, Max Mitchell, it was supposed to be Dwayne Brown. It was supposed to be lock solid, like rock solid. But now it's like, hey, do you mind getting CTE in like the yeah. next two weeks? Because we, got third we need tackles. you, to, we need you, you go? to try to throw football. Try to throw football because there's no guarantees that you're actually going to get it yeah. to who you're throwing it to because you might be on your back in the second and a half. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing what the Jets have at offensive line right now. It's it's awful, it, and it is. It makes you wonder. Like I know Rodgers is back for next year, and he came here with this staff in mind. But you have to wonder if Robert Sala and this staff can survive this season with their jobs yeah. intact for next season. Like, how do you bring them back and just be like, "Well, Aaron Rodgers is healthy now, so we'll be good." Like, how do you? How, if you're Woody Johnson, the owner, how do you bring these guys back? And how do, as players, you have confidence in this coaching staff moving forward? I mean, it is really like a fascinating situation in New York and one I'm very curious to watch this offseason. That's for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There you go. Week 13 NFL recap. 
Uh, love it. We got a jam-packed second half of the podcast. We're actually going to take a quick break and hit our mid-roll. And on the other side, uh, we'll get into the campus tour, react to the college football playoff rankings, the New Year's Six Bowls. We'll even hold ourselves accountable to what our preseason predictions were, what we got right, what we missed, uh, all that and more on the other side. So stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sports Hour with Mitch Moe and Dallin. So glad you stuck with us for the break. Um, more football, 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 football. More football here on the back half of the show. And Dallin, we're actually going to kick it off with not football. We're going to kick it off with the hockey. <laughs> so you tease. I tease, I tease, I tease. But... Really, hockey is like the Canadian brother of football. Mm. I would say the way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's football on ice. Mm. We love the physicality. We love the physicality of these games. Hockey, NHL, the Kraken. We're the official podcast of the Kraken. We have to give an update on our Kraken and Dallin. Um, the boys are in a bad spot. The boys are in a bad spot. 8, 12, and 6 so far through the year. 0, 2, and 1 over the last week. Can we please get a win at one point? And I think you mentioned something about playing the Sharks every week. And maybe we might get a win every now and then. But damn, things are not good right now in the Emerald City. 
Yeah, uh, Kraken on a on a, on a losing streak right now. Haven't won since we beat the Sharks seven to one. Uh, it's five straight games that we've lost. Oh, two and one in the last week since we've recorded again, as you said, eight, 12 and six on the season. And yeah, I mean, we, it, it, we're just in a tough stretch right now. And I think one of the most frustrating things is this team can't keep a lead. We'll get ahead early. We'll get ahead in the first period. The second period we will go into that third period, like three, one. And it'll be like, yes, here we go. Finally, just hold on for these last 20 minutes. We'll give up two goals. We'll go to overtime. We'll lose. I mean, and it's like every time this season, it feels like that's how these games have gone. And at a certain point, you just got to flip the switch. We'll see if this team can flip the switch again. It's still early, but not what you want to see. Not what you want to see. No, not, not at all. Not at all. Um, But a lot of puck left. A lot of puck left. Yeah. So. We're in an okay spot. We're in an okay spot. Yeah. We're not dead yet. We're not dead yet. Yes. We still have a hope. We still have a hope. Um, maybe probably not a top seed, but we can get a bottom seed mm-hmm. um, in that in the NHL playoffs. So um still a lot of puck left for the Kraken, and we'll keep you guys updated on our uh our boys weekly as we always do here on the sports hour. Dallin, time for the campus tour. And it's going to look a little different this week because conference championships have come and gone. And we now know who is in the college football playoff, who is left out. We know who the New Year's Six Bowl games are. Um, and so moving forward, the campus tour is going to look a little bit different. But Don, I think we should start off with maybe a little recap of how the college football or how, how the conference championship games went and how we got to where we are right now. Yeah. Um, not pretty. I'd say pretty chalk conference championship week in the power five outside of uh, maybe a few games had a really good thriller in the pack 12, the final Pac-12 championship game, at least of this iteration, between Oregon and Washington. Washington came out dominant fashion in the first half. Oregon made it a game, but Washington prevailed 34-31. They earned the perfect season. That earned them a spot in the playoff. Uh, Big upset. The the really big game to talk about was Alabama and Georgia in a great SEC championship game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Alabama prevails. 27 to 24. They led this thing 17, seven at halftime. Georgia put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, tried to make a comeback, but not enough for the Bulldogs. The three peat not in the works. Alabama got the win and really put the pressure on the playoff committee heading into Sunday, right? As you had now a 12 and one sec champion in Alabama, a 12 and one Georgia team uh, that didn't win the sec championship game. And a 12 and one Texas team that dominated Oklahoma State in their Big 12 championship game. Oh, and by the way, uh, Florida State with a third string quarterback defeating Louisville 16 to six in an ugly game, but a defense that really showed out for Florida State. It put us in the position going into selection Sunday what the committee was going to do. We knew an undefeated Michigan after they shut out Iowa. No surprise there in the Big Ten championship. 
an undefeated Washington champion. Uh, you knew those two teams were going to be in. What was it going to look like for those final two spots? Who would the committee put in? And uh, the reveal came on Sunday. You've seen it already. Uh, Michigan, number one. Washington, number two. Texas, the Big 12 champion at number three. And Alabama, the Crimson Tide, getting that fourth spot over the undefeated Power 5 champion, 13-0 and ACC champs in Florida State. First time in the 14 playoff era that we had an undefeated Power 5 champion left out of the playoff. And there have been a lot of reactions since then, and justifiably so. We asked you on our Instagram, uh, if you follow us on Instagram, you saw it. You may have voted. If you uh, don't follow us on Instagram, uh, go do that at the Sports Hour, guys. But we asked, uh, do you think the committee got it right with the four teams that they selected, Mitch? And uh, it is an overwhelming vote, 86% to 14, that no, the committee did not get it right. I feel like what most people, and we didn't ask this specifically, but I'm guessing most people are leaning towards the fact that Florida State was left out and that Alabama was put in. And listen, we've got a resident Alabama fan, courtesy of the college football matchmaker, on this podcast. And we know how you feel about this. So let's let's talk about it. let's talk about both sides. Yeah, I'm on the opposite side. So let's have a discussion about this on why the playoffs ended up the way they did. Again, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, those are the four schools that'll be competing in the college football playoff. Mitch, your reaction to it. Why did the committee get it right? So in my personal opinion, and this is me being unbiased towards Alabama. Um, I know a lot of people are going to say, bullshit you're not being unbiased towards alabama <laughs> but this is really me being in an, un, in an unbiased opinion it sucks that florida state is an undefeated conference champion not getting into the college football playoff it sucks it sucks i wish they were in however you have to look at what got them there to to what what got them to this point? You have to look them there. What got them there to this point? And I'm going to pull this up because Florida State was 13 and 0. Key wins against LSU, Louisville, and Clemson. Okay, well Alabama has one of those key wins, right? They have a win against LSU. They also have a strength of schedule going in at 55th in the country. That's mid-tier. That, that's that's almost dead nuts middle of the pack as far as strength of schedule goes. Alabama, fifth strongest schedule um, in the country um, throughout the course of the year with key wins against Georgia, the undefeated defending national champions, Ole Miss, and LSU. Their only loss comes against Texas. Texas, who is also a playoff team. Mm-hmm. Um. It sucks. It's not right. You, you would, if if I could make the change right now, I would put Alabama at three and Florida State at four. Mm, leave Texas out. But the fact of the matter is, is that the college football playoff committee 
as we know it, always is trying to get the best playoff game possible. This Florida State team that started 11-0 with uh, with Tra- Jordan Travis is not the same team that it was when they started 11-0. This is a 2-0, in my mind, 2-0 Florida State team without Jordan Travis. Alabama has stayed consistent and, and has, has fought their way up um, to put themselves in this conversation. Now, I it, 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 it's hard to argue for anyone. It's hard to argue for anyone, but someone's, someone was going to get screwed yeah. in this situation. Yeah. So, um, someone was Florida, getting left out. Someone was getting left out, and unfortunately, it's Florida State. But I and I think the college football playoff committee made the right decision in putting Alabama in because they have the more impressive wins. Um, they are the more complete team. Florida State without Jordan Travis is not the same team that started eleven to zero. And we're going to have probably the best semifinal matchups that we've ever had in college football playoff history with Michigan against Alabama and then Washington against Texas. It's going to be the best matchups that we ever had. That's what their job is, is to put the best teams possible in that final four. I don't know. Florida state right now is going to be that team that is going to be part of that best four that we can put forward. So that being said, I, that that's why I'm behind uh, Alabama getting in number four. Yeah, I have obviously I'll share my thoughts. I have one question for you though before I get into some of my thoughts. If Florida State was 13 and 0 with a healthy Jordan Travis and Texas is locked in at the number 3, does Florida State deserve to be in at 4 over Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, they do. You would say a thirteen-zero Florida State with with Jordan Travis because that's get in over team. the SEC champion Be- okay. because that that's a different team. Yeah, I l- listen. One, I agree with you. Um, I I think this goes. I have a I obviously have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, there's sort of two camps in this, and I think that's the problem. There's a problem with the committee. First off, the fact that we just have a group of people deciding the four teams at the end of the season seems arbitrary. If we're going to just decide who we like the best at the end of the season, why are we playing games? Why do you sit there for weeks and give us all the criteria that a team has to meet? Right. And this is what they've done for years. Well, you have to win your conference. Well, you have to, you know, play a good non-conference. Well, you have to go undefeated. And then when a team does all that, it's, you know, it's still not enough, right? Because there's other factors to it. As you said, it's about what's going to be the most entertaining. So what is the playoff committee really doing? Is it the most deserving team or is it the teams we want to see, right? If it was the most deserving team based on their words, based on their criteria, there's no reason to leave out a 13 and 0 Florida state team, whether they have a second string, third string doesn't matter. We saw an Ohio state team in 2015 with a third string quarterback win the national championship. I know the Cardell Jones thing. Yeah, I got it. If you know, if, if it's about the qualifications, then there's no justification for leaving Florida state out. But as you said, it's not about that. It's about what creates the best TV. And I think that's like, where I think football fans realized college football fans realized on Sunday and felt so icky about it. 
it, it makes you feel like, well, then why are we doing this? Why are we telling teams to go schedule great non-conference games like Florida State did with LSU, a really good LSU team? They dominated that game, right? And it, it doesn't help them out. Does it incentivize teams to hide injury news, right? Why would you disclose that your quarterback, why would you not, I, if you're Florida State uh, two weeks ago, why would you not say, oh, Jordan Travis may be back for the playoff? Why would you not? Would that help their case? Would it help incentivize the committee to maybe put them in if there's a chance that Jordan Travis plays? I mean, again, it opens up this whole thing. And I'm not one to, do, I'm not one to argue that Alabama didn't deserve to get in. Again, like you said, somebody was getting left out. Texas was going to get left out, Alabama, Florida State. One of those teams had to get left out because there's only four spots. So why my little headline here on the podcast tonight is can't wait for the 12-team playoff because this is why we wanted expansion. The playoff hasn't the playoff committee hasn't run into this issue yet in the history of the college football playoff, right? Most years it's pretty chalk at the end what four teams need to be in. It's it's pretty cut and dry. They make their decision and you know, we haven't had the drama until this year. This is part of the reason why we want to see an expanded playoff because there are more deserving teams than just four. We want to see these teams get a shot at each other. We want to see these matchups. And obviously next year, we'll have 12 teams. This won't even be a debate. Florida State will be bummed they didn't get a bye, but they'll still have a shot uh, at a national championship, right? But I think that's... Uh, I think that was where my frustration came. If if the requirements were all there, if you've laid out over years and made it so important, this criteria of what it takes to qualify and then dismiss that because uh, of an injury, frankly, I mean, the, like we said, it's what it comes down to. If Jordan Travis is healthy. They should be in the playoff. Uh, I don't actually believe that the playoff committee would have put a 13-0 Florida State team with Jordan Travis over the SEC. I don't believe that. I don't believe the committee would ever leave out the SEC in the 14 playoff. I do not think they would do it. Even if it made sense to do it, I don't think they would do it. They would put them in and they'd justify it. And they'd be, you know, probably right to justify it in some ways because of the way the SEC controls college football. But that in and of itself is an inherent flaw. And again, it just makes me, I'm very bummed for Florida State bummed for their players, bummed for everybody else outside of the power two, right? That looks at this and says, yeah, this is, this is what happens in a 14 playoff, but it makes me very grateful that we're expanding to 12 next year where this won't matter as much, where we will get the best teams in the playoff and people will have a shot at the national championship. Got to go win the games, but you'll have that opportunity and we won't have to do this again next year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. But I, I, I honestly think that they made the right decision because when it comes to putting the best team, I don't think Florida State without Jordan Travis is one of the top four best teams in the country. I really don't. Yeah. I, and, I, and I think they got that right with, yeah. with, this, with the selection. So Is there an argument that George is one of the top four teams in the country, though? They were 12-0 and 0 and ranked number one by this committee until they lost to Alabama. And now all of a sudden they're the sixth best team in the country because of one loss, right? Like if we're talking no, about best teams in the country, right, on that on that criteria, putting the four best teams in there, shouldn't, wouldn't Georgia have a case? No, because I think you take Carson Beck out of the situation. Georgia's not even close to the. One well, of the why would you take him out of the conversation? He's because he's we're, their quarterback. We're, we're, we're talking about quarter, we're, we're, we're talking about maybe, you know, we're, 
if we're going to make the scenario the same. Well, we're not. I'm saying that he's healthy. That's that he it doesn't. We don't need to make him unhealthy. He's healthy. If Georgia was the number one team in the country before they lost by three points to Alabama in the SEC championship game, how are they not one of the four best teams in the country this week? How do you move them all the way back to six? If if the committee is out there to put the four best teams in there, I mean, based on that criteria, like, well, I you know, I think they, I think Alabama was better. I think Alabama was better than them the whole year. So. I'm not saying over Alabama. I'm saying like they should be in there though, right? On on that criteria. I mean, that's where it gets again, if you don't have parameters, if you don't have criteria for what qualifies and you're just going based on the best four teams. Well, if Alabama lost you know? if Alabama lost to Texas, but Georgia lost to Alabama, then they're they're still on the outside looking in. Even if they were number one literally last week. They were the best team in the country because according they were. to this yeah, committee. They, and they were. And one loss by three points moved them down five spots. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me if we're talking about best teams in, you know, in the country. So, again, I mean, at the end of the day, like we've said, somebody was getting left out. That That's why we need 12 teams. That's why we need 12 teams in the playoffs. That's why we need five power fives that automatically qualify. Give a spot for the group of five. Give the at-large bids for chances for everybody to make it and to actually get the best teams in there at the end of the season. And it's going to make it way more entertaining next year. I mean, obviously, these matchups are great. Don't get me wrong. These matchups are fantastic. Uh, But it's just going to that 12 team playoff. It just this was another reminder to me of why this was needed years ago. And I'm glad we're finally getting it next season. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So there you go. Let us know your thoughts. Again, you voted on the poll. We appreciate you if you voted on Instagram, but let us know your thoughts on, uh, you know, what was it right? Was it wrong? If it was wrong, was it Florida State who deserved it? Was it Georgia or somebody else you think deserved to get in? We'd love to to hear from you on that. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about the New Year's six matchups, though, because obviously part of the New Year's six bowls are the semifinal games, Michigan and Alabama at the Rose Bowl on January 1st, and then Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl uh, on the 1st of January as well. But the four other matchups in the New Year's Six, we've got the Cotton Bowl, number seven, Ohio State versus number nine, Missouri. That'll be on Friday, December 29th. Uh, We have the Peach Bowl between number 10, Penn State, number 11, Ole Miss. That'll take place on December 30th. Uh, also on that day, this one, I think, and I will get your thoughts on the matchups you like most. This one's definitely the game of these matchups. Number five, Florida State, number six, Georgia in the Orange Bowl uh, on the 30th. And then on January 1st, we have the Fiesta Bowl between number eight, Oregon, and the group of five representative, number 23, the undefeated Flames of Liberty. What are your thoughts on those matchups? Uh, which one are you most excited for? I'm going to be I'm going to be completely honest. I I love that Liberty matchup. Mm. I love that Liberty matchup. Um I think that they have a serious shot to shock the world. Shock the world with um with a big upset in that in that matchup. Uh, yeah. I'm going to let you take this over here because I got to pull some stuff up, but um Liberty is just such a, a well-rounded, well-put-together team um, that uh, I, I think is going to be 
really, really tough to upset or not even upset, but um, be a team that. Yeah, uh, Liberty, Liberty for me. Yeah, uh, you know, I think the Liberty Oregon one is, uh, you know, Liberty is such a tough, a tough uh, evaluation, right? 13 and 0 Conference USA champions, great offense this year. They were 133rd out of 133 teams in strength of schedule. They played the easiest schedule in all of college football this year. And so it's one of those things where I love that they get this opportunity and deservedly. So you win all your games, you should get a shot. So right? that's the same argument we kind of make for Florida state, right? You know, you go 13 and zero, you deserve an opportunity. Glad they get the opportunity in this one, but I, I just, I don't know how they're going to compete against a team like Oregon, uh, no matter who they faced uh, of those power five teams, I think is going to be a tough draw, but that's why we like these matchups. That's why the group of five gets an automatic bid they'll get an automatic bid in the in the 12 team playoff they get in this spot and a chance to shock the world uh you know obviously i mentioned florida state georgia i think that's a really great matchup but ohio state missouri missouri one of those surprise teams ends up number nine in the country at the end of the season they get a shot at ohio state i mean uh missouri looking for some legitimacy if they knock off ohio state in this bowl game i think that goes a long way for eli drinkwitz drinkwitz in that uh missouri team yeah, yeah, huge, huge opportunity for Missouri uh, to kind of solidify that program and, and legitimize that program um, as one of the top ones um, in the country as, as they take on number seven, Ohio State. That's for sure. No doubt. Uh, Mitch, let's talk about the Heisman Trophy finalists. We've been doing our Sports Hour watch uh, for the Heisman over the past uh, second half of the college football season. Last week, we had our rankings. For our final three, um, Jane Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., in that order, uh, the four finalists for the Heisman Trophy were announced, the guys that will be in New York for the ceremony, and it is those three quarterbacks, uh, Daniels of LSU, Nix of Oregon, Penix of Washington, alongside Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State, the wide receiver, um, who I think you mentioned last week as one of your those next guys in that mix. Uh, he's the one who gets that spot. No real surprises there. I mean, it's pretty chalk as far as the finalist goes. We kind of felt like it was a three-team race. We won't make our Heisman picks yet because we have a couple weeks for the ceremony. But uh, I guess if you want to share, is there after the way that uh, the Pac-12 championship game went between Knicks and Penix, are you, you know, we had Daniels at the top. Has that changed at all? Do you feel like you're leaning one way or the other? What, what, do, you, what do you make of this, these finalists? I'm leaning Penix. I'm leaning Penix here. Okay. Yeah, um, just getting it done. I, I said this. I said this last week. The winner of the Pac-12 championship game will probably be, in my mind, the winner of the uh, Heisman Trophy. And Michael Penix has just continued to show excellence week in and week out. Um, and uh, for him to be a conference champion with the numbers that he had, I think that Penix is clearly, in my mind, uh, the Heisman favorite going into this week. Yeah, I'm very fascinated to see how the voters uh, selected on this award because I think any three of those quarterbacks are more than deserving of the Heisman. And I wouldn't be surprised if any... I'd be surprised if Marvin Harrison Jr. won it, uh, but I would not be surprised if any of those three quarterbacks won it. So I'm very curious. I have no idea who will actually win it. Uh, I'm still undecided myself on who I think should get it. 
Uh, but I am very excited to see how that plays out. Uh, we'll be talking to Little Heisman here in a second. Uh, we'll do we'll do some fun Heisman stuff a little bit later. That'll be uh, that's, that's right. That'll be good. But uh, that's right. Mitch, before uh, before we as we wrap up, uh, get towards the end of this campus tour, we do have to update. On the segment that we've done all year, our games to watch this week, we had our final week on conference championship weekend. You heard it last week. We picked all 10 conference championship games on the power five and group of five levels. We incorporated the super lock where you get five points for a hit minus three. If you miss it, uh, we had our lock. We had our straight up picks. Mitch, uh, you were down. Uh, what was it? Eight points. I'm sorry. Six points. It was 44 to 38 heading in the last week. And with those locks and super locks and 10 picks, it was wide open and a valiant effort was made in the comeback. Mitch had six points in our picks last week. I had one and I squeak out a season victory in the games to watch 45 points for me, 44 points for Mitch. You had me sweating there. I'm not going to lie. I was watching those games on Saturday being like, am I going to blow this lead? I had a huge lead with like three weeks left and you just cut away, cut away. And you kicked my ass this week in picks, but the margin I had was enough to hang on. You know, it's funny how we, we go through this entire season and it all comes down to one point. All comes down to one point. Um, you know, down well done you get the dub here this year um great 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 picks um just uh too little too late i guess from the uh from the camp uh on the mitchmo side stuff so that is uh that is how it goes it's it's a tough one that's why i loved us last week where we did 10 games of super locks because even with that deficit it's anyone's game you had the chance it was there for you is there for either of us to win it uh, and I'm glad that after a full season of picking, it came down to like a single point. That's uh, that's, that's pretty wild. good. That's pretty wild. good. That's so wild. That's so wild. It, it, it kills me. It kills me that we we uh, fell that short. But darn it, next year I guess, man. <laughs> next year, next year we got a shot. Yup. Yes, uh, Mitch. Let's uh, let's do this. We're gonna we're gonna look back at our college football preview a bit. We want to hold ourselves accountable. You take some praise for what we did right, but then also, you know, hold ourselves accountable for maybe, you know, what we didn't we didn't do so well. So we did our college football preview before the season. Uh, we had superlatives. Uh, we had picks for every uh, conference. So we'll go through these here uh, and, uh, you know, evaluate uh, how we did this season. How does that sound? That sounds good. Sounds good. All righty. Let's start in the SEC, Mitch. Uh, and the SEC best team, we each picked our best team. No surprise. Two teams at the top, Alabama, Georgia. You picked Alabama. I picked Georgia. Those are the two teams in the SEC championship game. And uh, well, well done to you. Uh, Alabama was the champion. So you stuck with your Crimson Tide despite the back-to-back titles from the dogs and uh, paid off for you. Yeah. Had to, stick with my, had to stick with my Tide. Had to stick with them. Love it. Love it. Uh, Dark Horse Conference champion. This one, not so hot for us. Uh, you had Mississippi State in this one. I had South Carolina. Uh, both those teams went five and seven on the season, finished second to last in their respective divisions. Uh, the real pick for this would have been Missouri. That was like the correct pick, 
right? Who finished number nine, uh, 10 and two. Ole Miss was also 10 and two in a New Year's six team, but maybe more expected. Uh, Missouri really like came out of nowhere. It feels like this year with their, with their season. So certainly the Tigers would have been the pick there. So not so good on that one. Overachieving team, you had Kentucky. Uh, I had Arkansas. Kentucky went seven and five on the season. Arkansas four and eight, bottom of the SEC West. Big whiff for me with the Razorbacks. Kentucky had a good year, but maybe not overachieving. Seven and five is probably not overachieving for the Wildcats. Yeah, no, that's probably about where we thought we were going to be. So yeah, yeah, probably yeah. chalk for that. But uh, we did better in some of these other <laughs> conferences. Best player you had Brock Bowers and Rocket Sanders, the running back Raheem Sanders out of uh, Arkansas. He was injured for much of this season. Didn't do much. Brock Bowers is that guy. So uh, Jane Daniels would have been the right pick uh, for this one, as it turns out. But Brock Bowers, a very good pick. Speaking of quarterbacks, sleeper quarterback. He had Will Rogers from Mississippi State. I had Devin Leary from Kentucky. Leary, not good. After transferring from NC State, I expected a lot more out of him. Rodgers had a really solid year, uh, but not a spectacular year for Mississippi State. Now he's in the transfer portal. We'll see where he ends up next year. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he if he winds up in another SEC school, but um, this guy's got a ton of talent. ton of talent, and uh, I think he's going to, wherever he lands, he's going to find uh, a good home there to to round out a season, senior season and uh, get himself some good draft capital. That's for oh, sure. yeah. Oh, yeah. Most disrespected, you had Mississippi State. I had Will Rogers in the Mississippi State offense again. Uh, not the best pick for us there, but uh, no. you know, you win some, you lose some. Mitch, uh, Big Ten did well in this one. Our best team, we both picked the Michigan Wolverines to win the Big Ten. And sure enough, 13 and 0 Michigan, despite being investigated by the FBI and having their head coach kicked out, kicked out for a few games. Uh, Michigan got it done. They're the number one seed in the playoff. And Probably the favorite to win it all. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think the favorite, I think by far the favorite. So yeah. Uh, Dark horse conference champion. We both picked Wisconsin with Luke fickle coming uh, to the Badgers to uh, revitalize this team. And uh, they went seven and five this year, finished third in the big 10 West. Not a great year for Wisconsin, probably disappointing based on our expectations. Certainly not a dark horse conference champ, Iowa, Probably would have been the pick there out of the Big Ten West with 10 wins and getting to that championship game and then getting shut out by Michigan in embarrassing fashion. So uh, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa would have been a fantastic pick just purely based on the defense alone. I mean, yeah, a fantastic pick. But seriously, uh, overachieving team, you had Minnesota. I had Maryland. Minnesota finished uh, five and seven last in the Big Ten West. Uh, Maryland finished seven and five. Behind Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, not great picks. Not great picks for us there. That that was a tough. Not a lot of. I wouldn't say there was a real overachieving team. Maybe other than Iowa this year and the Big Ten. Uh, it was pretty chalk this year in the Big Ten conference uh, across yeah. the board. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, best player. I had Olu. Uh, you had Olu Fashinu, the Penn State tackle. Another great year for him. He should be a top ten draft pick in this year's draft. I had Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, he's a Heisman finalist. I will count that as a win. <laughs> yeah like big dub one. big dub for you buddy big uh dub. sleeper quarterback tanner mordecai was your pick the wisconsin quarterback the transfer from smu 
Uh, I had Hudson Card, uh, the Texas transfer who joined Purdue, the Boilermakers. Neither of those guys had a very good year. Mordecai was kind of a disappointment. I mean, we were in on Wisconsin. In fact, I think you had Luke Fickle as your most disrespected. Uh, we were both kind of in on Wisconsin being a surprise team in the Big Ten in year one. And it was good, but not great. We'll see uh, maybe what they can pull off next year. Yeah, lots of program building. That needs to be done, but uh, but they get they're pointed in the right direction for Wisconsin. So, uh, yeah. keep an eye out for the Badgers. That's for yeah, sure. yeah. And then I had uh, Mitch had Luke Fickle most disrespected. I had Big Ten West Division most disrespected. Uh, they deserved the disrespect. Uh, not none of those teams very impressive. Uh, this year ACC Mitch, best team in this conference. I had Florida State nailed that one. You had North Carolina. Uh, the Tar Heels with Drake May and. Uh, disappointing year for North Carolina, eight and four unranked uh, at the end of the season. Not quite what we expected out of the Tar Heels. No, not what we expected at all. But I still think that Drake May is going to hold that draft capital pretty well. And I think that he's going to transition really well into an NFL quarterback. So, um, you know, not a total loss for North Carolina, but uh, definitely not the season that they uh, anticipated happening. Yeah, no doubt. Dark Horse Conference champion, you had the Miami Hurricanes. Oh, I had, bad. <laughs> I had NC State. Uh, yeah, uh, NC State ended up ranked nine and three, third in the ACC. That one's that one's that one's pretty good. Miami seven and five. Another tough season. Tyler Van Dyke, their quarterbacks now in the portal. Uh, Miami need to need to get things figured out. The not horrible picks there, but we missed a little bit. Oh, we missed. Yeah, a little bit's being yeah. nice. But yeah. yeah. Uh, you did not miss on this next one, Mitch. You absolutely nailed this overachieving team. You had Louisville, uh, the Cardinals, and boy, 10 wins, top 15 ranking, a spot in the ACC championship game. Boom, you nailed that. I had Duke under Mike Elko. They go seven and five, and Riley Leonard not healthy for most of this season. That kind of led to Duke's demise down the stretch, but. Well done on Louisville. Absolutely nailed that. Yeah. I mean, hey, squirrel, every squirrel finds its nut. So, <laughs> so, so I'm happy with that one. Yeah, with we'll, that we'll one. take it, right? Uh, best player, you had Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Clemson linebacker. He had another solid season on his way to the NFL. Uh, I had Drake May, quarterback from UNC. He had a good year. It wasn't his fault, per se. The North Carolina underperformed. And like you said, he'll definitely still be in that mix at the top of draft boards uh, come April. Sleeper quarterback, you had Brennan Armstrong, NC State, who ended up getting benched halfway through the season. You rode with your yeah. guy. You rode with your guy, and I love that for you because that was your guy last year, and you stuck with him. I had Riley Leonard, the quarterback at Duke, and again, like I mentioned earlier, he just didn't stay healthy this year, um, and that was a tough call for him uh, with with what Duke could have been, but uh, not not. Not great picks there for us. No, not terrible. Pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. Uh, most disrespected, you had Florida State. Seems very fitting now that we know what happened in the college football playoff, calling them yeah. the most disrespected. I like that. Uh, and I had uh, Jeff Brom, Louisville uh, head coach. So, yeah, I like those ones. Mitch, Big 12. Big 12 conference. And you were in on Texas. You were in on Texas. I got to give you credit there. I was not. I said that I would wait to f agree that Texas is back until I saw it. We've seen it. They're back. It's official. Good for them. You had them as your best team heading into the season. I had 
Kansas State, who ended up top 25, but eight and four, fourth, fifth in the uh, Big 12 Conference. Uh, not really competitive as far as a, a conference champion race this year for the Kansas State. But uh, well done on Texas, man. You planted that flag and you were right. Yeah, I, I'm curious to know, like, looking back on it now, when you pick Kansas State to be your favorite out of the Big 12, did you think they're going to be a playoff contender at that point? Or No, I didn't think the Big 12 would have a playoff team. That was okay. that was where I sat. I didn't think the Big 12 would have a playoff team. I thought like a 10-2, and two, you know, Kansas State team, maybe they're in the top 10, but not, you know, not really contenders there. But uh, yeah, okay. you nailed it with Texas. Our Dark Horse Conference champion, we both had the Kansas Jayhawks, and I liked that pick, man. I still felt good about that. They went eight and four on the season, but five and four in the Big 12 and were never really contenders in the Big 12. And Jalen Daniels, again, couldn't really stay healthy. Uh, tough, tough draw for Kansas, who still had a great season with eight wins. But we'll see if they can really get to Big 12 conference championship game contender status. Uh, right now, they're, they're, they're busting out really good seasons, and that's good for that program. Uh, they need to make that leap clearly not there yet uh overachieving team though mitch well done on this one you had oklahoma the sooners and they went 10 and 2 missed out on the conference championship game because of the loss to oklahoma state but right there top 12 in the country uh so well done on that i had ucf i thought the knights would be the surprise team of the newcomers this year and really contend in this conference they went six and six the only newcomer to make bowl eligibility but certainly not overachieving so well done on the Sooners. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, I, I don't think anyone saw the Sooners coming. I think that there was a lot of people that thought downhill uh, for Oklahoma. Um, but, you know, ride firm for one more year before they become a mid-tier team in the SEC. <laughs> so Before they're the Nebraska of the SEC, right? That's right. Yeah, That's right. I love it. Uh, best player, you had the Xavier Worthy wide receiver from Texas. I had Cooper Beebe. Uh, the guard from Kansas State. Uh, still like those picks. I don't know who would be the best player in the Big 12. I, I think that's kind of up for debate, you know, uh, at the end of the season. I don't think there was maybe a clear-cut guy. Do you have a Do you have a thought on that? Mm. Maybe Quinn Ewers? Yeah, I was thinking him, maybe I mean, Dylan Gabriel. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, Gabriel had a great year. I mean, Devondre Sweat, the Texas lineman, he's honestly probably the best player yeah. in the conference. Um, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, that was kind of a wide open award there. Uh, sleeper quarterback, he had Donovan Smith, the Houston quarterback. I had John Reese Plumley from UCF. Uh, neither guy really had a spectacular season and most disrespected. Again, we both picked Kansas and I mean, eight and four, they were probably not expected to do that. So I'd say they were disrespected. Maybe not the most. That was definitely Oklahoma State. Uh, nobody oh, yeah. expected Oklahoma State to be in the Big 12 championship game well, coming hey, into the season. So when we talk about best players in the Big 12, I mean Ollie Gordon. Oh, there, yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. That's actually yeah. a really good point. Yeah, we, so, that's that's our guy. We have we have to give it to him, right? <laughs> absolutely. Uh, last Power Five conference, the Pac-12 best team. You had the USC Trojans. Oh, terrible. Yeah, seven and five. That's uh, that's a tough one. I had Washington. I was riding with the Huskies all year. They they paid off for me thirteen and zero. Dark Horse Conference champion. You also man. These LA teams really did you dirty, Mitch. You had UCLA as the Dark Horse Conference champion. Uh, I had Oregon State. UCLA goes seven and five, four and five in conference. Uh, Oregon State eight and four. They were a ranked team. Uh, 
they were in that mix. I'd say the team that deserved this award, uh, who we correctly identified as the overachieving team this year in the Pac-12, and that's Arizona, the Wildcats. Yes. Uh, so we didn't have them for Dark Horse Conference champion. They finished third in the conference, but we did have them for the overachieving team. And boy, did the Wildcats overachieve with that nine and three record. I'm very excited to see what they do in the new Big 12 next year. Uh, they're riding some real momentum with that quarterback, Noah Fafita. And uh, I think they're going to be, they might be my pick in the big 12 conference next year. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see how Arizona plays. This was a great season for them. Great, great season. And what, what a, what a job Noah Fafita did filling in. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. No doubt. Best player. You had Jacob Cowing, uh, wide receiver uh, for Arizona. And I had Caleb Williams, quarterback uh, USC, both pretty good picks. I'd say Nick's Penix. Probably the top two guys in the conference yeah. at the end of this year. Both yeah. Heisman finalists. It seems fair. Almost so, seems silly that we didn't pick at least one of those guys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, sleeper quarterback. He had Jaden Delora, quarterback from Arizona, who was replaced with Noah Fafita. He had the right quarterback room. You just didn't see the injury, which is didn't fine. pick the right guy. Yeah. <laughs> and I had Shadur Sanders. I feel good about this one. I feel good about Shador because Shador had a fantastic season. And I think there was a lot of like, what do we expect coming from FCS to FBS? How good is he actually? And I mean, he proved it. Shador is legit. Shador may be the number one quarterback in the 2025 draft class if he does return to Colorado next year. And uh, I expect him to be a Heisman finalist next season. So uh, very excited to see what happens uh, with Shador and that Colorado uh, team. Although very disappointing end to their season based on the hype that they had early on. You had Colorado as your most disrespected team this year. I had Utah, you know, Colorado did end up at the bottom of the pack 12 at four and eight and one and eight in conference play. But I do think they earned some respect. I do think to think they were the same one and 11 team was foolish. There's still clearly steps to grow this program. They didn't just jump into the portal and immediately become a contender. Obviously, but uh, I think they made good strides. I'd call this a successful season for Colorado. Would you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think I I think I drank the gold Kool Aid a little bit too early. Yeah. Um, but I you know I I think that they've made serious significant steps in the right direction uh, for the with this program, and I think Dion's definitely got them pointed the right way. Um, the buffs are the buffs are they're on their way back. It's just going to take more than a year or two. Uh, yes. for them to be there. So you can't turn around a one and 11 team in a year. That's what we've learned in college football. So, well, and, and kind, kind of in a way he did, I mean, like with, with them fishing four and eight, it's that's miles from where they were. So um, not say that he fully turned them around, you know, obviously, you know, turning around would be, you know, a, they're a top 25 team in the country, but um, you know, he, he kind of in a way, did a little bit by getting them pointed in a drastically different direction um, and putting themselves in a position to win games and more than just four games. I mean, they, they won four of them, but they were in a position to win six or seven of them. So um, a, a good, a good effort by Colorado. Yeah, no doubt. Um, group of five, uh, the uh, group of five, our best team, we had Tulane which I think was the right pick, you know, as up until the conference championship weekend, that was looking like the group, the, the new year's 16, they got knocked off by SMU Liberty earns that spot. I still think Tulane was definitely one of the best two or three 
group of five teams this season. We didn't see Liberty coming, though. We didn't have them as our dark horse New Year's Six. You had James Madison, who had a fantastic season, but was ineligible for the New Year's Six because the NCAA is stupid. Uh, They couldn't even participate in the Sun Belt uh, Championship game, which is a real bummer. Uh, I had Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, uh, in Conference USA. Uh, Really didn't do much. Seven and five. I was right on the... I was right on the conference. <laughs> Wrong team. You were there. You were there. You were <laughs> there for the say. conference. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, gr- best group of five player. We both had Frank Gore Jr., the Southern Miss running back. I think I saw he declared for the draft, uh, potentially. I should have checked that. But uh, excited to see him at the next level. He had another fantastic season. Um, Michael Pratt, the quarterback from uh, Tulane, was also fantastic this year, as, as we've expected from him. Hard to say the best group of five player is. I don't know if there's one that like sticks out to you or comes to mind. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, really, Michael Pratt does. I mean, that, that yeah. that's kind of the guy that sticks out. And I think he probably is the best player in all the group of fives. Yeah, so I'd agree. Um, I would yeah. agree. Uh, sleeper quarterback, you had Austin Reed of Western Kentucky. I had Siobhan Cordiero, San Jose State. Both had solid seasons, but didn't put themselves on the on this uh on the scope the way that uh you know maybe we would have hoped I'd say uh probably the liberty quarterbacks got to be uh got to be the the guy right Caden Slaughter uh, I think yeah. he's got a uh he's got a Salter I mean Caden Salter he's got to be the uh definitely the guy the quarterback this year Yeah QB1 QB1 yeah. the group of fives And then most disrespected uh the Sunbelt Conference that's who we had in the Sunbelt like Give them some credit. I mean, we talked about James Madison, 11 and one. You had the Troy Trojans, 11 and two. I mean, they win the Sun Belt. I mean, shoot, they had a case to maybe be that New Year's Six team, right? Uh, Troy was excellent this year. So uh, Sun Belt, really good. I think think Troy had like a top 20 or top 10 defense in the country last this year. So, I mean, just a fantastic uh, program that they put together. Um, Yeah, Troy definitely had an argument to be one of those groups group of five teams on the New York six and the New York and the new year six uh, conversation for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, that's good. Listen, this is, uh, you know, we make these predictions before the season. We want to hold ourselves accountable. We want to let you know that we don't just make these willy nilly. We're willing to come back and, you know, say what we got right and wrong. And as you saw, we nailed some of that. Absolutely nailed some of that Louisville, Arizona, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll tip a, tip our caps there. We absolutely nailed it. And we missed a lot more than probably we hit, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's how it goes. That's why we play the game, right? Hey, if we're 30% right on this one, Dallin, we're, that means we're batting 300. That means we're hall of famers. So hey, I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. That's true. I like that. I like that. We'll do it in baseball terms and not like, uh, you know, like football winning percentages. (laughs) I like that better. Uh, All right. Before we wrap up uh, the podcast here, we got a couple more things. We'll do. We have a sports hour draft. It's been a minute since we've done a draft. We're going to bring back a sports hour draft and also give our quick picks for NFL week 14. Before we do that, though, we're going to take another break and hit a mid roll. And when we come back, we'll wrap up the podcast here on the other side. So stick around. And we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Sports Hour with Mitch Moe and Dallin. The last third of the show. Hey, we're splitting into thirds this week, Dallin. Mm. How about that? It's like uh, it's like we're in the NHL here. We're not doing two halves. We're doing three periods. Let's go. That's right. We got three <laughs> periods of the Sports Hour coming to you, mm. Dallin. And look, we... We got some good stuff to wrap up the show. We got a draft, yeah. a draft. We we haven't done a draft in a hot minute, um, but we're going to get uh, that here on the last third of the show. And then we're going to wrap, so wrap up the show with our uh, NFL quick picks for week 14. But Dallin, let's get into our draft. And look, it's college football Heisman season. And there have been a lot of great Heisman Trophy winners in our time. Not just our time, but of all time. And I think it's only appropriate for this week that we draft the greatest Heisman Trophy winners of all time. And we have our own criteria for this. And, you know, and I'm sure that everyone listening has their own criteria for this. So if you do have your own criteria for this and your own takes on this, we would love to hear from you. Get at us at Instagram on the Instagram, get at us uh, uh, on any of the social media platforms that you can reach us on. Uh, We would love to hear your takes on this, but Dallin, we're going to draft our own Heisman trophy winners right now. The greatest Heisman trophy winners of all time. And um, how are we determining who, gets the first pick here uh well i i listened back to our last top five uh which was in october which was our best nicknames 2.0 uh which is great how long it was yeah and i listened back to that one and i was like these are so good and i'm so ready for best nicknames 3.0 because there's so many more uh but uh i went first last time okay which means that it is your pick today and uh listen i mean we're talking heisman winners so the list is deep and it is talented and there are a lot of names to pick from so i'm very curious to see the 10 that we end up selecting you get to go first my friend oh boy so floor is yours oh man i mean there's so many so many great great selections here I'm going to go with. What do you take at number one, though? Yeah. I mean, who do you take? Yeah. You know, I'm going to go with the only back to back Heisman Trophy winner of all time. And that is Archie Griffin. Wow. Okay. Archie Griffin of Ohio State. Heisman winner in 1974 and 1975, the running back, um, the only player to ever win two Heisman trophies. And the that, not just that, but the only ones to do, ever do it back to back. I think if you are looking at the greatest Heisman trophy winners of all time, the only guy to ever win it back to back. That's probably he's probably going to be towards the top of your list. So I got to go Archie Griffin. I have to. I have to. You know, obviously, certainly has a case there when you're talking about the only guy to win two of them go back to back, as you said, in 74, 75. And, uh, you know, that best season, definitely 74, 1600 yards, average 6.9 yards per carry. 
uh, and 12 touchdowns. And again, 1974, you know, it wasn't offenses the way that we see offenses now. So, you know, leave it to you to go all the way back to the 70s with the first pick, Mitch. I love it. I love it. Hey, I'm just staying. I'm st- if I'm if I'm anything, I'm consistent, Dallin, and I'm just I'm staying consistent to my history roots here, my friend. So. You're so on brand, and I love it, my friend. I really do. Uh, I, okay, this puts me in a fun spot because there were two names that I was debating for my first pick, and I get to pick both these guys here because I go back to back at one. I think you're going to take one of my guys now. So at the top, we're going to give respect where respect is due. And I'm going Barry Sanders. Yeah. That, that damn it. That Barry Sanders. Fuck. That was the guy. Number one, 1988 Heisman winner for Oklahoma state, 344 attempts, 2,628 yards. Yes, that's correct. It's not a typo. 2,628 rushing yards, average 7.6 yards per carry, and 37 touchdowns. Mitch, you want to know how many Heisman winners at quarterback on this list have less passing touchdowns than Barry Sanders had rushing touchdowns that season? Um, A lot. Absurd. It is absurd what Barry Sanders did that season for Oklahoma State. Uh, Yeah, I mean... I had to go Barry Sanders here. Yeah, I mean, look, he was uh, he was actually the subject of one of our college football trivia questions of the week earlier this year. Yeah. Um. So I and he was he was the guy that I was I wanted to take the one one, but um, Archie Griffin stole my heart with the only back to back years. But damn, that's the greatest college football season ever put together by a running back. So yeah, I I cannot. I can't shame you for it at all. That's a fantastic pick. Fantastic pick with Barry Sanders. Yes. I love that I got Barry Sanders. Mitch, you mentioned very, uh, you mentioned just there, the best college season we've seen from a a running back, right? Uh So with my second pick, I'm going with the best college season we've seen from a quarterback. And I'm picking the 2019 Heisman winner, Joe Burrow. Oh, yeah. Give me the Tiger King. 5,671 yards, 60 passing touchdowns to six interceptions, leading LSU to the natty that season, going on to be the number one overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft. I mean, that is the best season we've ever seen from a quarterback, in my opinion, in college football history. And so why not pick Joe Burrow? So I go Barry Sanders, number one, Joe Burrow, number two. I'm feeling great. I mean, that's so solid. That's so solid. It, it's it's almost unfair that you had the second pick because it, it it's just like those those are so those those two are so clearly part of the top three. I th- and yeah. I think Archie Griffin is clearly in that top three, and that's why I took him. Uh, but that is they're so clearly the top three, and it it, it hurts me to not take him, <laughs> but. Um, well, yeah, you get well your done. chance at redemption here. You have your next pick and you get to go back to back here. Who's your number two pick? Well, yeah, let me exit out of this window because I thought I was going to get Barry Sanders on the turn. So that's where, uh, <laughs> I, I had his stats already pulled up, but I, I'm going to take a guy that I think, uh, culturally 
is the most popular one. I think that he had one of the most impressive seasons as a quarterback um, on one of the more impressive teams that we've seen in, in recent history. Um, and I'm going to go back to 2007. Uh, give me Tim Tebow. Okay. I'm going to go with Tim Tebow. Um, look, he completed 67% of his passes, 32 touchdowns, six interceptions, exceptionally efficient. Um, and one of the most, he was the admiral of one of the most well-built teams in all of college football history. Um, was the Florida Gators in 2007. So I'm going to go with Tim Tebow here. Yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with Tebow, one of the best uh, college quarterbacks of all time in that Heisman season in 2007, a special one. So I like it. So very solid pick. Yeah, I'm, I, I love that one, and I love this next one too. But do I? <laughs> I don't know if I love this next one. Um, you know what? I'm going to go back to Ohio state. Mm. I'm going to go back to Ohio state. I'm going to go Eddie George. Okay. Eddie George, 1995. Um, this was, I mean, an all time, um, season for him. Um, it, it was his senior year. Um, Eddie George, had uh, 303 rushing attempts for 1,826 yards, 23 touchdowns from scrimmage. He had 2,225 yards and 24 total touchdowns. Um, an, an exceptional year from Eddie George. Clearly his senior season was his breakout year. Um, although he did contribute a lot in 94 in his junior year, but Eddie George, um, not only one of the most underrated um, NFL running backs, of all time, but one of the most underrated uh, college running backs that we've ever seen an exceptional, um, exceptional running back uh, at Ohio state. I like that. I like that. Eddie George, 1995. You know, I think people kind of forget. That's not one that like comes to the top of your mind. I don't think, but obviously a fantastic season for him. And uh, I like the pick here. I like the pick. Okay. So Mitch has, Archie Griffin, Tim Tebow, Eddie George, his first three picks. It goes back to me for my next two. I had Barry Sanders at one, Joe Burrow at two. And uh, I'm not going to lie, Mitch. I'm getting, I have a lot of the names that I was hoping for that are still around. And uh, mm. I think I'm going to go, you know, listen, it was, it was a running back award for a lot of years, right? The Heisman. Then, it, then, you know, quarterbacks, and the proliferation of the passing game, they started to get more and more plays. You get laid into like the 80s and into the 90s. And then obviously in our modern era, it's pretty much a quarterback award with the exception uh, of a few years. And in the modern times, this is one of those years uh, where a non-quarterback won the award. But this running back uh, for your Crimson Tide, yep. boy, did he have a good season in 2015. I'm going yep. Derrick Henry. Damn, that's a good one. I like that. These stats are crazy. 395 rushing attempts, 2,219 yards, average 5.6 a pop, and 28 touchdowns. I mean, doing a little Barry Sanders impression for Derrick Henry there in 2015. Not quite the level of the 88 Heisman, but uh, I mean, geez, uh, 2,200 yards, 28 touchdowns. It's like two a game. I mean, that's just absurd. Yeah, there. I think there's two Alabama running backs on here that are worthy of that. Mm -hmm. 
and you picked the right one. You picked the right yeah. one. That was that was fantastic. Well, fantastic. I'm glad, pick. I'm glad you agree. Uh, and like I said, I am going back to back running backs here with this pick. We're gonna go back a little bit with my next one. Uh, not an SEC running back. His team will be in the SEC next year. I'm going uh, 1998. Yeah. Ricky Williams, the Texas Ricky Longhorn. And he, I mean, listen, I just read you Derrick Henry's stats, and these are pretty damn close. 361 uh, rushing attempts, 2,124 yards, average 5.9 a carry, just like Henry, and 27 touchdowns, just one shy of that 28 mark that Derrick Henry had. I mean, 1998, Ricky Williams. That was a fantastic season. Uh, he pretty much ran away with the Heisman that year uh, over a number of quarterbacks in contention, uh, more than deserving to be that guy. And uh, that was one of those names when I was looking at the list. I was like, man, I kind of forgot how special of a season he had in 98. Uh, so I'm very happy with that pick. I mean, just how special of a player Ricky Williams was. I mean, That's... even at the NFL le- level, I mean, he was incredible. Ditka, Mike Ditka made probably one of the worst draft trades of all time, trading up to get Ricky Williams. Because he saw that. He was like, I want that guy. I don't blame him. (laughs) I got to say, like, that guy was so special. Like, it would be hard not to pull that move. I mean, he was so, so good. I love that pick, Dallin. I mean, you've already won this draft. I'm I'm almost positive you've won this draft. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to not completely get blown out in this one. Um, kind of some pity votes here, um, but I'm going to try my best. Um, I'm going to start um, in the SEC. I'm going to start this next turn in the SEC. 1985, another running back. Um, a guy that is probably the greatest what if in sports history. What if he had never gotten hurt? And it kills me that he played for my biggest rival in college football, the university of Auburn. (laughs) Um, But he is, he really truly is probably the greatest athlete of the 20th century outside of Jim Thorpe. I'm going to go with Bo Jackson in 1985. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a great pick. I mean, look, the greatest what if 278 touches 1786 yards 17 touchdowns um the guy was just he was such a a anomaly athletically speaking just you'd never think that anyone could have that much athletic ability packed into one body and bo jackson did and i think he's if had he not gotten hurt um, in that Raider game in 1991 or two, I believe it was one of those years um, against the Bengals dislocated his hip, uh, a totally curable, treatable injury nowadays um, was not then um, had he been able to be uh, healed from that and not have his career cut short. Um, we could be looking at one of the greatest football players of all time in Bo Jackson. So I have to give him the nod here at the number four pick. Yeah, it's a great pick. You look at that 1985 voting, Mitch. I mean, he narrowly won that Heisman over the Iowa quarterback, Chuck Long. (laughs) You look at Chuck Long's numbers, you're like, why the hell did he almost beat Bo Jackson for the Heisman that year? Insane. 
No one knows who Chuck Long is. Exactly. I mean, can you imagine that's how it turned out? Crazy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's funny. All right. You got your last pick here. Uh, Yeah. My last pick here. Um. You know, I don't think I'm winning this draft. (laughs) So I'm going to pick someone I like. Okay. And I'm going to go with the last defensive player to win the Heisman Trophy. I'm going to go with Charles Woodson. Oh, I was going to be, I was, that was one of those, I was hoping at the last pick, like give a shout out to Charles Woodson. That's such a good pick. I'm going to go with Charles Woodson, 97, uh, University of Michigan. Yeah, last defensive player to win the Heisman. And I hope that we see more uh, defensive players get the nod like they used to. Uh, Obviously, it's kind of devolved into a a quarterback award, Uh, quarterback or running back. We've seen a wide receiver win it um, in recent years with Devonta Smith. Um, But I would love to see it become a more well-rounded, both sides of the ball type of award again. Charles Woodson was just so dominant in that 97 season with Michigan, uh, a teammate of, I mean, you look at his teammates that he had there was incredible. Tom Brady was his teammate there in 97. So, um, great, great, great player at the university of Michigan. Obviously we know his NFL accolades and he was great, uh, on the NFL side of things, but Charles Woodson going to be my number five pick. I love that Mitch. Like I said, that was one of those names I was looking at as we, as I got to my final pick, like, Oh, I'd love to love to include him in there. I'm glad you did, though, because uh, I think he's definitely deserving, uh, especially. I mean, considering it's it's been what, 26, 20, it'll be 27 years, you know, and no other defensive players won it since him. So I think that deserves its own uh, credit, you know, in that regard. But uh, my final pick here. And uh, debating between a couple guys, but uh I, I starred, I, I made a list, Mitch. I named, I put 15 names on my list, Heisman winner, that I was, you know, re- really sort of considering. And I put a star next to five names. And I've selected four of them already. So I might as well stick with what I had originally and take that fifth name. And I'm going to take my guy, Cam Newton. Okay. I'm taking Cam Newton, 2010, Heisman winner. Leads Auburn to the Natty after transferring from uh, from junior college uh, back to the Power Five level. Uh, had a fantastic year that year. Passed for uh, 2,854 yards, 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions. Added 1,400 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns on the ground. That's good for 50 that season. And again, led Auburn to an unexpected uh, national title. So I, I think Cam is one of those Heisman seasons that just stands out to me as uh, also because it was unexpected, right? You know, we expect some of these guys to win it. You know, when you're, when you're a Tim Tebow and you, you come in with hype when you're an Alabama running back, you know, and you come in with, with hype uh, you know, those Oklahoma quarterbacks like Baker and Kyler, the years they won. It's like, you know, you expect those guys to be in that race to win it. Cam was one of those you didn't expect. Uh, and he put up an incredible season. So I'll give it to Cam Newton, 2010. 
Love it. I mean, and that's that's kind of right on brand with you, buddy. <laughs> like, it is. I mean, Cam Newton either... is your boy. That's your guy right there. Man. It was either going to be him or Ty Detmer, Mitch. So, yeah, I was very on brand for my final pick. Um, but uh... Well, speaking of Ty Detmer, I mean, of guys we didn't pick, what, what yep. were some of the names that, like, maybe crossed your mind that you didn't pick? Because I got a couple for you. Oh, if yeah. You, if you didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Detmer, 1990, that was one of them, especially just because outside of the power ranks of college ball, uh, you know, for him to do what he did, put up crazy passing numbers through, uh, you know, 28 interceptions, but threw for almost 5,200 passing yards that year for BYU, 41 touchdowns. Uh, I mean, what they were doing on offense throughout the 80s and then early 90s there, uh, you know, really impressive stuff. So uh, Detmer was on that list. Uh OJ Simpson, 1968. That was that was one I looked at. Um, yep. One I considered Sam Bradford, 2008. And then uh, I, I really think, you know, looking back at it, I think at the time, maybe I didn't think it was as impactful, but Devonta Smith in 2020. Uh, I mean, the season he had, you just look at his numbers, 117 receptions, 1,800 receiving yards, and 23 uh, touchdowns for Devonte Smith. In 2020, the Alabama wide receiver. I mean, he had an incredible season and, uh, you know, kind of like running backs or even more so than running backs, wide receivers like never win this award. I mean, the last uh, before him, I'm trying to go back and find him real quick. Uh, I, I can't I, I, I missed I missed. Uh, oh, it's like Desmond Howard, I think was the last wide receiver it was 1991. Uh, so wide receivers, one of those. Uh, positions that doesn't really get a lot of run in the Heisman. So Devontae Smith winning it in 2020, I think as we look back, is going to age better and better as one of those really special seasons. So that was that was one I was I was debating as well. What about you? Uh, I was looking. Uh, there were so many. There were so many. Um, so I was looking at. Um, I actually was looking at Rashawn Salam. Yes, uh, running back from Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, I was looking at Vinny Testaverde from Miami. Okay. Um, I was looking at Earl Campbell, his 77 season with Texas. Um, I was actually looking at, I, and this isn't correct. Um, but I was looking at Mike Garrett from UC from USC. I was looking at Ernie Davis from Syracuse. Um, there were, there were just so many great names that um and <laughs> you can bash my old head all you want um jay burwanger i almost took uh for winning the first ever heisman uh yeah. from the university of chicago <laughs> um which by the way he wound up being the first overall pick in that 1935 draft and i think he wound up like having a career working in like a rubber factory wow like he never even played a, a down in the nfl well, despite being the first overall pick in that draft. So yeah. um, kind of a fun fact. About different him. times, but, different times. It's great. But like, you know, you look at these names too, like Davey O'Brien, like we right. give out an award named after Davey O'Brien. Doke Walker. Um, Doke Walker, Walker, the SMU running back, right? I yeah. Mean, he was, you know, same, there were same thing. So many, so many great names. Roger Staubach from Navy. Um, yeah. Just, just so many good names. And, uh, it is quite the brotherhood, quite the fraternity um, yeah. to win this award. And it, it, it's hard to decipher who the best 10 are when, when we draft them like this. But um, a ton, a ton of fun to kind of 
uh, see where our thought processes go as far as determining who the best are. So absolutely. Let's run through our list one more time for the folks. Mitch, you go first. You had the number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I had Archie Griffin back to back. Heisman winner in 74 and 75 I had Tim Tebow in 07, Eddie George in 95, Bo Jackson in 85, and Charles Woodson in 97. Okay, and I had Barry Sanders, 1988, Joe Burrow, 2019, Derrick Henry, 2015, Ricky Williams, 1998, and Cam Newton, 2010. So I like that. I think that's a good mix of contemporary names. Some of the past names, some, you know, you went a little farther in the past, which I love there. Um, but a, a mix of uh, a mix of names. I feel like those are pretty good. We had all the eras covered almost pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Uh, From 70s on forward. So is it is it, you know, I, I, I'm just looking at this stretch in like the 90s. Eddie George, 95, Charles went to 97, Ricky Williams, 98. Like we had. All those guys in that, that's a pretty damn good stretch of Heisman winners right there in, in retrospect. And there were some that I felt really bad not drafting, like Ron Dane. Yeah. Um, Danny Werfel was really good in 96 yeah. or Florida. Like there were some, there were some names like, I don't give a shit about Gina Toretta. So like, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit about him, but like there were some good names that I think we oh, left yeah. off um, from the nineties and the eighties. I mean, we, we left Doug Flutie out of here. We yeah. left Andre Ware out of here. I wanted Marcus Allen. That was another one. Eighty. Marcus that, Allen. That was another one. I I was really Her, debating. Herschel yeah. Walker got left out of here. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's a deep list. When you go back to 1935 at the start, you know that's like almost a hundred people on this list. Uh, you're gonna have some great names. So I love that. That was a great draft again. Heisman Trophy winners. Let us know your thoughts. Uh, who do you think won the draft? Uh, who did we really miss out? Who would you be pounding the table for in this draft? Absolutely have to have him. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Let us know if you're watching live on the YouTube comments or on Twitter uh, and uh, or send us a message on Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. And Dallin, with that being said, it is time for our quick picks of the week. And it's a ball game, Dallin. Mm -hmm. It's a ball game. It is a ball game. I have drawn even with Dallin here. Last week, I went eight and five. He went seven and six. And we are both at 115 and 78. We usually have a tie at this point of the year. No ties in the NFL yeah. so far this year, which is kind of, uh, kind of odd because over the last few years, we've at least had a few. Yeah. Um, but. No ties so far this year. So, um, but it is a dead, even is a dead heat right now um, for us in the quick picks down with the last, what, five weeks to go? Five weeks. So. Yeah. I, and I love that we are sitting here tied with five weeks to go. It feels like a great spot in the season. We have the last bye weeks happening this week for the Washington Commanders and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, and then after that, it's full schedules down the stretch. So uh, it's make it or break it time for the picks. We can't afford to miss too many more uh, no. down the stretch. So, And I got to beat you here, and I got to beat you in fantasy this week, my friend. I got to beat <laughs> you in fantasy too. So we got yes. more than just one matchup to do. But down, <laughs> start the music. Give me my music. We got to start these quick picks. And let's get on with Thursday night football. The New England Patriots 
they're leaving the Northeast to head over to the Steel City to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right now, the Steelers favored six and a half at or sorry, minus six at home. Give me the Steelers in this one. Uh, New England's in shambles. It's terrible. Um, but you know, it, yeah, I like the Steelers in this one in the close one. I don't think they cover, but I like the Steelers in this one at home. Yeah, this is an ugly game. I mean, you have no Kenny Pickett, uh, Mitchell Trubisky starting for Pittsburgh this week on Thursday night. And I mean, we talked about the Patriots and how down bad they are right now at two and 10. Uh, This is just an awful game that we are all going to subject ourselves to on Thursday night. I will also take the Steelers at home to improve to eight and five and put themselves in a great position in the AFC playoff race. And that leads us to the Sunday slate, Mitch, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers headed down or headed up to Hotlanta to take on the Atlanta Falcons. An NFC South matchup here, a chance uh, for the NFC South lead at, as Atlanta 6-6, six and six, Tampa Bay 7-5 and five, or 5-7. and seven. Atlanta favored at home, minus 2.5. I will roll with the Falcons in this one. Yeah, I got the Falcons at minus 2.5 as well. I think they cover this one. Um, big home opportunity to get this win over the Buccaneers. Their bucks are just, they're, they're in shambles. Not good stuff going on in Tampa Bay. I like the Falcons in this one. Following that game, we have the Los Angeles Rams. They're leaving the City of Angels to head over to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I wish I had a really good, like, Edgar Allan Poe quote to give you right now, but I don't. Um, so give me the go, give me the Ravens in this one easily. They're at minus seven right now. Give me them to cover and blow the Rams out um, at home. Yeah, Rams offense last couple weeks with Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Kyron Williams healthy. It's really been rolling pretty hot. Matthew Stafford's playing at a high level. But man, this is a tough matchup for them at Baltimore. This Baltimore team looking to secure the number one seed in the AFC. It's still up for grabs between them and Miami at the moment. Baltimore can't afford a loss in this one. They get it done at home, cover that seven points, and uh, improve to 10-3. and three. I will take the Ravens. Following that, Mitch, an NFC North matchup. The Detroit Lions coming off uh, a big win, an important win last week to get to 9-3. and three. They're headed to the Shy City to take on the Chicago Bears. Four and eight Bears. Detroit favored minus three on the road. I'm sorry, buddy. They cover that. And then some big explosive offense for the Lions. They get it done. The Lions win double-digit games this year. I think they're an 11-win, 12-win team. No question about it. But you got to be crazy if you think I'm not taking my Bears. Bear! Don, give me the Bears at home, plus three. I love the Bears in this matchup in the Windy City. Give me the Bears to get this one done. And a tight one, a low-scoring tight affair. Mm. I like this one, maybe you know, you know, a, a 19-16 game. Something odd, something weird. Go. Something love weird. <laughs> I like that game. Indianapolis, Dallin. They're leaving the state of Indiana to head over to Cincinnati, the home of some good skyline chili, to take on the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jake Browning-led Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals coming off a big win last week. Right now, Indianapolis favored on the road, minus one. I like Cincinnati in this one. Jake Browning, a lot of confidence in this guy. 
I like the Bengals at home over the Colts. Yeah, I, I'm picking the Bengals as well. This Cincinnati team's showing some fight. Seems like they're not counting themselves out of this playoff race, and they're going to be a, a factor down the stretch. Will they make it? I don't know. It's a competitive AFC, but they do enough here to get to 7-6 and six and get the win at home. I'm rolling with the Bengals uh, as well, Mitch. Following that, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 8-4, and four, headed to Cleveland to take on the 7-5 and five Browns. Cleveland favored minus three at home in this one. Trevor Lawrence coming with a high ankle sprain. They have not ruled him out for Sunday's game as of recording. And again, live on a Tuesday night. So we have to make this not knowing Lawrence is in the game or not. But I do know who's on the other side, Mitch, and that's Joe Flacco. So I am rolling with this Jags in this one. I can't pick Joe Flacco and the Browns at home. I'm sorry. I'll go with Jacksonville. Yeah, I... I actually have a ton of confidence in C.J. Beathard to get this one yep. done. I really do. And I'm going to take Jacksonville on the road in Cleveland to get this one done as well with you. I am with you. Jacksonville plus three. Give me the Jags leaving the swamps of Jacksonville to get it done in the state of Ohio over the Brownies. I like the Jags. Following that game down, your Carolina Panthers, your boys, the Carolina Panthers. They're headed down to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints. Right now, the Saints minus five and a half home favorites over the Panthers. I would love to say keep pounding, Dallin, but I can't. Just can't do it. And you know what? I really don't like the Saints team at all. In fact, I think this might be a game I'm wrong on here. But I'm gonna, I'm going to take the Saints, but I don't feel confident in the Saints to get this one done. Um, give me the Saints, but probably my least confident game that I'm picking all week. Yeah, you know Derek Carr got really banged up in that game. It seems like he's not going to be available for this one. They're going to roll with Jameis slash Taysom most likely in this game. And uh, listen, I wish I had the irrational confidence of my team in these picks the way that you do for your Chicago Bears. It is truly <laughs> admirable, my friend. Uh, I hope the Panthers go to Cafe Du Monde and enjoy some beignets. I hope they find themselves some great Cajun food while they're down there because that's the only thing they're going to enjoy this week in New Orleans. <laughs> I'm taking the Saints and this one. Uh, yeah, it's tough times. It's tough times in Carolina, Mitch. Uh, the final early game on Sunday. The Houston Texans, 7-5, and five, headed up to the Meadowlands to take on the New York Jets. 4-8 and eight Jets. Will it be Trevor Simeon? Will it be Brett Rippon? Is Zach Wilson making his return at quarterback? Who the hell knows? Houston's favored minus 5.5 on the road. I am flying with the Texans in this one. Yeah, I am Stroud to be an American. Yeah, give me C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans to get this one done on the road in uh, New Jersey to get this one done over the New York Jets. I like Houston on the road by a mile, by a country mile. Give me the Texans. Afternoon slate down. Let's kick it off with the Minnesota Vikings. They are headed over to Sin City to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Right now, Minnesota favored minus three on the road. Give me another road favorite in this one. I like the Vikings in this one. I think Vegas is... uh, There's a lot of confusion there. They're pointed in the right direction, but 
but the direction isn't really super clear because they got the interim there and he's he's an oorah guy, but they don't know really where to go. I like the Vikings in this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one for Minnesota. You know, before the bye week, Kevin O'Connell uh, was not clear on whether Josh Dobbs would be the starter uh, following the bye when they took on Las Vegas. This week, he has not been 100% clear as of uh, we're recording on Tuesday whether Josh Dobbs will start. Will they give it to Nick Mullins? Will Jaron Hall get another crack at it after he was knocked out early in his first start? Uh, either way, I think Minnesota is a good enough team to get it done on the road. But this is a, this is a tricky game. And, and I, I would not be surprised if Vegas pulls this off. This was a tight one for me. But I will also roll with Minnesota uh, as the road favorites in this one. Following that, Mitch, NFC West matchup. A rematch of the Thanksgiving night disaster for the Seahawks. Seattle 6-6 six and six, headed down to the Bay to take on the San Francisco 49ers at 9-3. and three, nine Philly this week favored minus 10 and a half at home. Got to keep rolling with the Niners. Oh, yeah. I mean, I want to Brock and roll all night and Purdy every day. He should be the MVP favorite right now is Brock Purdy. He should be. And I'll stand by that one. And I'll stand by the Niners in this week. Give me the Niners at home. Very, very clear winners for this game. Uh, following that, the Buffalo Bills, six and six Buffalo Bills. Not expecting, they didn't expect the Bills to be here at this point. But they're six and six, and they're taking on the eight and four Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs right now favored minus two and a half at home. Something's wrong in Kansas City, man. Something's not jiving. I think that Buffalo needs a rebound. I think Buffalo gets the rebound. This week on the road, give me Buffalo mm. on the road in Arrowhead over Kansas City. And Kansas City starts to figure out their Taylor Swift problem. You know, this would have been one of the best matchups this season heading into the season when we saw this on the schedule, right? Buffalo at Kansas City. And all of a sudden it's like we get here and both these teams feel like they have identity crises. I mean, Buffalo's sitting at 500, right? I and mean, we did not expect that. Something's got to give. Someone's got to figure something out in this game. I am not going to pick Buffalo, though. I will pick Kansas City to get it done at home and prove to 9-4 and four and really put the Bills in a spot where they're most likely going to miss the playoffs if they fall to 6-7. and seven. That'd be a really tough spot to be in. This should be a competitive game because both teams need a win, but I will take Kansas City at home. Final afternoon game, Mitch. The Denver Broncos 6-6 six and six in an AFC West matchup. Headed to L.A. SoFi Stadium to take on the five and seven Chargers. Chargers favored minus three at home. This Denver team has been impressive. You know they lost last week, but they made it a tight, competitive game with Houston. Had a shot there at the end. Uh, this offense isn't pretty. The defense is really good, but they will get it done against L.A. L.A. is a mess. Chargers need to blow it all up. I'm rolling with Denver. Yeah, I'm going with Denver as well. Um, just super impressed, super impressed with the team over the last few weeks. And um, honestly, the Chargers were so disappointing last week against the Patriots um, that it's hard to pick them in, in any matchup. Yeah, uh, moving forward. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Denver in this one. Following that, down Sunday night football, the Philadelphia Eagles they get another primetime shot. 
and they're going against the Dallas Cowboys. Probably game of the week. Oh, yeah. I think right here, game of the week. Right now, Dallas favored minus three and a half at home. Philly, I think, is so damn good. I don't think that their loss to the 49ers is indicative of, of how they can handle a Dallas Cowboys team right now. I think they can handle them. So I'm going to go with Philly on the road to get it done in Jerry World. Uh, give me the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, this is a great matchup. I mean, frankly, this is for the NFC East, right? This is for the division. If Philly wins this thing, having already beat Dallas this year, they'll they'll secure that essentially with a two-game lead, four games remaining, and the tiebreaker. But if Dallas could pull this one off, they can make it a race and really put the pressure on the Eagles. And this Dallas offense is flying high right now. I mean, they seem like unstoppable. We know that they have done this mainly against poor uh, opponents. When they've played good opponents, they've definitely struggled. But they're going to be extra motivated in this Sunday night game. I'm rolling with the Cowboys. Give me Dallas at home in this one in a shootout. This Philly Eagle, this Eagles defense has been a little sus. The Cowboys take advantage, score over 38 points in this one, and get the win on Sunday night. Following that, Mitch, two Monday night games next week. Why, I don't know. They're happening at the same time. Why, I don't know. Who decided this? This is dumb. But (laughs) regardless, we've got two Monday night games. The first of those, Tennessee, 4-8, and traveling down to Miami to take on the 9-3 and Dolphins. Dolphins favored minus 13 in this game. Man, these Dolphins lines are incredible. We saw it last week with the, with the commanders on the schedule. Now they get Tennessee. They're favored by almost two touchdowns. They're going to cover that easy. Give me Miami. Yeah, it was like it was like whoever scheduled this said, hey, you could watch shitty football or even shittier football. <laughs> exactly. Why? So take your pick. Give me the Dolphins. Yeah. I mean, that's not even close. Give me the Fins. <laughs> Got to take the Fins in that first one down. The other Monday Night Football game is the Green Bay Packers. Six and six. They're headed over to the Big Apple to take on the New York Giants. Right now, Green Bay favored minus six and a half. I don't know who to pick. I took the Giants. Wow. Why not take the Giants? Why not? Why not? This game sucks. Take the Giants. Uh, It's not surprising as a Bears fan that you refuse to pick the Packers. It's fine. I love that you're rolling with Tommy DeVito in this one. Good on you. (laughs) But uh, this Green Bay team is rolling. They've had a great last three or four weeks, and they continue to roll against a really really rough Giants team this year. Uh, Favored by six and a half on the road. They cover that. Give me Green Bay. And this Monday night matchup. There you go. All right. That's the picks for this week. Week 14. Uh, again, we're tied in our picks. Five weeks left. So excited to see how this uh, plays out for us. Before we wrap up, Mitch, I do want to just give an update on the NBA in-season tournament. Because we started the show oh, yeah. talking about it. We had some games going on. Uh, Milwaukee got it done over the Knicks. 146-122. to 122. So Milwaukee will face Indiana. On December 7th, that's Thursday, uh, for a chance to play in the in-season tournament final. That that game will take place in Vegas. Uh, the, both the 
quarterfinals and the finals will take place in Vegas. Uh, and uh, as we're wrapping this up, the Lakers are leading the Suns at halftime 59 to 47. So we'll see how that one plays out right now. Lakers with a 12 point lead for a chance to face the New Orleans Pelicans on the Western Conference side of things. So, uh, yeah, but Bucks. Pacers, that's going to be a really fun one. Uh, no matter who comes out of this uh, Suns-Lakers game, that'll be a fun matchup with the Pelicans. I'm looking forward to see the conclusion of that. We'll obviously uh, talk about it next week uh, when we're when we're back here for a new episode. Absolutely. We will be talking about it then. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. Well, that's all we got for today, folks. We appreciate you hanging out, listening, watching, however you consumed it. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of it. Uh, if you don't already, uh, you can join us every week when we go live uh, on Tuesdays or Thursdays, depending on the week, depending on whatever we decide <laughs> that works. Uh, but we go live on the YouTube at youtube.com uh, slash the sports hour guys or on X formerly Twitter at sports hour guys. You can join us every week. You can follow our Instagram uh, for content, follow the TikTok at the sports hour guys uh, as well for some uh, fun memes. Uh, I like to post on there. That's uh, uh that's what we like to do. Mitchum, uh, tell the people where they can find the podcast. Yeah, you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. If you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, is Stitcher still a thing? I don't even know if it's <laughs> Stitcher still a thing, but if it is, you can find us there. You can look up the Sports Hour guys, and you will find us there. Get on Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better and uh, still trying to do that. So help us out. Yeah. Let us know. Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. I, I cannot know. be more serious on like, just tell us we suck. Yeah. Like I, I can't be more serious on that. <laughs> if I wake up tomorrow morning and I find 50 comments of we suck, of you guys suck, I will be so happy because oh. then we'll get better. Yeah, so, I'd be a little sad, but I'd understand and appreciate the feedback. So, so if it tickles your yeah. fancy, go ahead and do it. Let I mean, know. yeah, let us, let us know. Uh, yeah, this has been fun, Mitch. Fun as always. A lot of stuff to talk about. Looking forward to the bowl season in college football. Uh, the final stretch of the NFL season as we head towards the playoffs and so much more. So exciting times here. Glad to be with you. Uh, yeah fun stuff until next time we love you we appreciate you and we will catch you next week so long everyone and a very pleasant good evening to you wherever you may be see us